He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, August 27, 2022. Episode 111 is exactly what a Colorado-based podcast should do. I could talk all day about Donald Trump and his traitorism. It's coming out. It's fantastic the way evidence reveals truth. But it's sad the way Republicans Still hold on to Donald Trump. This guy was selling out America. And it's going to come out, God willing. Joe Biden has turned it around, but Republicans will not. But I'm not focused on politics right now. I'm focused on Colfax. And Johnny Barber. Johnny Barber, the king of Colfax since Pete Contos passed away. God rest his soul. Johnny Barber came from Salt Lake City, discovered Colfax at the Lion's Lair back in the late 90s. I've known Colfax longer than that. We used to dine out at the Apple Tree Shanty, biggest baked potatoes ever. But Colfax was sketchy before that word was even invented. But it is also spectacular. My end of Colfax, the government end, between the old DA's office, 924 West Colfax. And then we moved to 303 West Colfax. My dad grew up at Colfax and Quitman. My mom, not far from Colfax, off of Monaco. My uncle Gene. Well, you'll hear all about this with Johnny Barber, our featured guest. And he's got a song, The Dirty 15, about the RTD bus. Oh, my goodness. Be careful if you are on the Dirty 15. Johnny Barber is also a great singer and Elvis impersonator, but he's a historian, an eclectic guy. And I've got two of those guys. The troubadour, Dave Gunders, our troubadour, he brings up the back end of this show with his song, You Have to Listen to It, Rather Be Right, about these Republicans who... Just look in the face of the truth and not Dave Gunders. Dave Gunders sees things the right way, even if cult members try to lure you otherwise. Anyway, this show is fantastic. It's about America. It's about Colorado. It's about Aurora, Lakewood, and Denver. It's about Colfax, Schuyler Colfax, Philip Schuyler, Hamilton. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and 
way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblawllc.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Jesus effing Christ. Look at you. Yeah. You look like him. Am I right? Yeah. Long, good looking, long hair, hippie freak with a beard. People are starting to talk about you that way, right? Well, it's either they they say, you know, you went from being an Elvis impersonator to like a Moses, Jesus, Elvis amalgam. I think it looks good. But why the long hair? COVID? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that and my barber, my long-term uh, favorite barber died in a mountain biking accident. So I just, oh, I no. just yeah, it was really sad. He, he was a pretty young guy, too, but. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Well, it's. it's but really, there are other barbers. Are you well, going to mourn them? I mean, well, but there's, there's, they are, there are other barbers, but not all of them. You know, when I was getting those Elvis haircuts, not a lot of them still know how to cut the, uh, the ducktails. Have you noticed that Elvis has left the building? He's been gone quite a while now, right? Yeah, but I mean, but he lives on. I know, but the Elvis barbers. Elvis is everywhere. Can you, do you go to a barber and say, hey, give me an Elvis cut? Um, well, I mean, I guess he's got a, he's got a few different styles there. You know, his later period Elvis, he was kind of patterning his haircut on Ricky Nelson. All right, let's set the stage. Yeah. Johnny Barber is a musician. Elvis impersonator has had many bands of his own. We're going to hear about that. But the topic today, and he could be back because he's quite a talker. And I like to talk too to people who read books and have good opinions. This guy's wheelhouse is a street that I'm fascinated by, Colfax. I guess it's an avenue, right? But the bottom line is people come to Colorado, Johnny, like you did one day, and they hear Colfax, often associated with a crime story or maybe the Capitol at the corner of Broadway and Colfax. But there's so much behind that Named Colfax, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And how did you become fascinated such that you are the curator of the Colfax Museum? And I had the honor of going with you to History Colorado at what, 12th and uh, Broadway? 
Yeah. To see your amazing exhibit, everybody kind of genuflected toward you, bowed their head. Here's the man. Here comes the man. And we had had a great breakfast on Colfax at Pete's, but to see your exhibit, I mean, holy cow, I knew you when. I know you're ambitious, you always want more, but I I think that's the big time. Way to go. Yeah, I I got to thank uh, Charlie Woolley from uh, Charlestown, St. Charlestown Development. He did the uh, tattered cover redevelopment there that was the old Lowenstein Bon Fees yeah, Memorial Theater. Right. Yeah, he he was on the board of directors at uh, History Colorado for a while. So he he made the introduction and kind of put it together, but I got to say that the people um, at History Colorado did a great job. I mean, I couldn't have done it without them. There was the the staff and everybody really uh, cuz they they love Colfax too. You know, they're they're diehard Denver fans. So they 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 love the facts. They they wanted to see it. Um, you know, come come about. Well, we're going to get to the facts about Colfax, and that will take up a good chunk of time. But let's just talk a little more about you, who you are, where did you grow up? Let's start there. Well, I have always, I guess, just gravitated to Highway 40. Craig, I, I was born in Stanford Hospital out in California, same hospital where Ken Kesey first met Neil Cassidy. And uh, so, you know, my formative years were uh, looking out over the Bay Area. And, and uh, before I even said mama or dada or anything like that, my first words on this earth were pretty lights. So that kind of says something right there, I think. Wow. And then... And, uh, and just because uh, you made a reference to Highway 40 running yeah. from California to what, New Jersey, smack dab through Colorado and a street called Colfax? Absolutely. Yeah, Highway 40 from Atlantic City, New Jersey to San Francisco. Um, and then my dad um, took a job in uh, Salt Lake City. and No, back up. Let's talk about your dad. What's his name? David. David Barber. We just called him the dude. And this is before, way before the big Lebowski. So we, we my dad why, was Why really was the he dude. the dude? Describe him physically, because you're a good-sized guy. Was he bigger than you? Or no. He's, why was he the dude? <laughs> that's such a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's kind of some things are kind of unanswerable, really. It's an ineffable uh, question that you're is that a compliment when you call him the dude? Yeah, yeah. He just he he was really a one of a kind guy. I mean, he was a very eccentric attorney. Graduated top of his class from Stanford, and uh, very very difficult to win an argument with him. Even if even if he was wrong, you know, he was that kind of attorney. Even if he knew he was wrong, he could still debate you and and win. You know, like if you're watching a sports game, that was interference. No, it wasn't. Exactly. Yeah, he he, he might have been the progenitor of fake news. I don't know, but he uh, he was stubborn. Yeah, rigid. Well, I don't know. Um, he had a he had a pretty open mind. Pretty open mind, I think. But he was he was very uh, metaphysically minded and and spiritually minded. He just was a voracious reader of. Because uh, I told you, you know, we grew up Mormon. That's why when when uh, 
you know, we moved to Salt Lake City. And so that's where I went to high school and junior high in Salt Lake and everything. But he just became disillusioned with it. He just didn't really think that Joseph Smith was a legitimate prophet. And, and when did he come to that? Um, it would have been in the 80s sometime. Probably and how was, old were you then? I was probably 15, 14, Ooh. 15. Dad lost his religion. And dad lost his religion, yeah. And uh, and so he was dragging me around to all kinds of faiths, just trying everything out, trying to find a replacement. And, and so that's part of, you know, when we get in our talks about, you know, well, that'll be for another show, but when we talk about spirituality and everything, I mean, just, I just got exposed to everything right really and and you know i'm kind of like elvis in the in the take where i'm pretty open-minded to all faiths except scientology that's kind of where i draw the line sorry john Travolta, oh shit i just you know when i it, have my tom cruise statue in I the know. closet right behind me i, know, I keep him in the closet dude you know but when you've got you know joseph and abraham and this and and their guy is ron you know it's just wait a minute your prophet's name is ron l ron Elron, and he's a science fiction writer. Yeah, we're gonna have to save this for another show. But anyway, so uh, Salt well, Lake. What about your mom? Salt Lake City. Isn't your mom a contributor to? Oh, Johnny absolutely. Oh, What's uh, her name? Phyllis Barber. She's an author. Uh, just published her tenth book, and on what? Most of her books are about the american west she's very fascinated with the american west and the history of the west and i think this last one was about um the use of camels when they were building the hoover dam and doing a lot of these projects back in the day you know they they were using camels for a lot of the transportation and labor and stuff just because of the you know they can adapt to the desert so mom's still alive Mom's still alive. She's, and writing she, books. Yeah, she just published her 10th book. She's doing well. And dad? And my dad passed uh, just, yeah, a little over a year ago. Sorry? Yeah. It's, it. well, you know, it's 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 mixed emotion. It's always like, you know, you're, you're sad, but then you, you know, he wasn't the easiest guy to grow up with. Oh, no. You're looking at me like I'm a lawyer and I'm well, a dude. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, but then you, you can you can also look back and you can realize, you know, because I raised two kids and you can say, you know, if somebody shows you what not to do, that's also, you know, that's also very in, oh, instructive. Boy. Let's do a whole show on parenting. Oh, okay? we, we could. We because could. you're a success. Let's talk about I don't want to short trip your mom. Yeah. But I want to talk about your wife and your two kids. Yeah. Because they both go to USC. Is that okay for me to say? Because yeah. I just said it. Yeah. And, they, and they're, they're, that's not an easy school to get into. Are you are you connected? Is this because your dad was so famous? Uh, well, you know, that's the thing is, I mean, my dad was more of a Cal State guy. So he was like, congrats on getting into USC. But, you know, he's... He was a fan of their rival, so, but I, I'm sure he'd he'd I'm sure he'd be he'd be proud, but, but yeah, I mean that's uh, you know, daughter went to uh, GW and they're yes, they're, now that's um, everybody says well, who's a patriot? If you went to GW, you are a patriot. a patriot. 
Well, and, and their their IB program there is incredible. They, I they set the stage. Oh, I'm sorry. That they, was they, not they really did an amazing. I mean, it was an a, a amazing experience for her, and and uh, I mean, she got a scholarship to USC as well, which was. Um, and then my son, uh, TJ grad, because they had a Japanese program at TJ, and he. Um, He's he's working towards speaking pretty fluent Japanese and. Where does he get that from? I don't know. I I I think he had a past life as a sumo or a samurai or something. I did was he tell- have a Tokyo Joe's card or something early on? I did. No, but but uh, he did love Tokyo I Joe's. I do too. Yeah, they just that closed the-, the one by my house too. Oh, I'm so sad. No, the Tokyo salad with white meat chicken. Oh. love that. Yeah, I'm not trying to like plug Tokyo Joe's, but I do have a lot of love for their bowls. Well, know? there you go. So you're successful. That must be your wife's doing too. You want to give her a shout uh, out? Yeah, Anastasia. Um, I think it's pretty much all her fault because she's, I don't know, 25 years we've been together, which is amazing. And I, I love her more now than I did then, which I just find to be a miracle. But you know, yeah. If you're tuning in, stage shout out. Um, but she, she, yeah, she did a, a fantastic job, and and yeah, we'll have to do another show just on on parenting. But right, we'll get the girls here too. And I said, hey, I met a yeah. cool guy. We couldn't stop talking at Pete's, and I yeah. think we should go out as a couple because they have kids like we do. Yeah. And she's like, well, another interesting, you know. And but I showed her a picture of you, and she said, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, we should hang. Because how many people look like, yeah. you know, she was brought up in a church where they worshipped a guy like you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, your luck, I'm just looking at you. That's the one time I wish it was visual. Because <laughs> of your good-looking Jesus. Like, they yeah. paint them when they want to attract women to the yeah. flock, right? Well, I mean, that's really funny. I I, I mean... We, Probably our, men, too, of a certain kind. Our, uh, well, you know... I mean, of the highly spiritual. <laughs> right. It's not sexual. It's Jesus for yeah, kind of love. Yeah, exactly. It's love for the Lord. Right. Um, but it's, a, it's that kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we'll have to get into that. You know, we, we're going to go down this other whole other rabbit hole. Okay, let's facts. do that. But how did you not just fall in love with Anastasia, yeah. but bef- did you fall in love with her or Colfax first? It kind of happened concurrently, actually. I... I uh, I mean, when I first moved, I was I was managing a, a ranch, living like a mountain man, up on the way to Kremlin, you know, outside Silverthorne, and uh, along Highway Forty. No, actually, I think that's Highway Nine up there. Highway Forty goes through Grand County, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's that would have been great if the ranch was on Forty, but um, moved down here and. Uh, I had met Anastasia up there on the ranch, but I, I was back in Denver and just called her parents trying to track her down. They're like, oh, she just got a new apartment and she'd love to hear from you and gave her a call. And she was living uh, on Vine Street about, I don't know, about a block off Colfax. So you could just walk down. What year the, is uh, this? This would have been 95. So I, I would, you know, I could... Well, actually, it would have been maybe 97, so I I um, could walk down my alley be, behind her apartment, and it was like this shared an alley with the lion's lair. 
So, okay, on Colfax. Yeah, so go, you know, I'm, I'm a musician and everything. So my, my first gig in Denver was at the Lion's Lair, too. And it was a whole different thing. Were you playing with the group or by yourself? It was yourself? pretty wild. Yeah, I had, a, I had a group. How was it wild then? Oh, well, yeah, my wife always kind of cringes when I tell this story. But, I mean, it's like, I, I just remember, we pulled up in front of the lair with our gear. And there were there were two men having sex in the dumpster outside the lair. And I'm just like, look, you know, I, I don't... I don't care who you love or who you choose to love, but how about a little hygiene? I mean, really, in the dumpster, you know? And then there was. But did you have to get on your tiptoes to look at this? Or? No, 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 okay. no. It was. It was. Why? Because the trash was piled up below them. Because <laughs> the trash was piled <laughs> oh, up pretty high. Oh, now that's so, where I draw the line. Yeah, that's yes. what I'm saying. I mean, yes. it's just it's a hygiene thing for me. Of course. I just wanted to kind of give them a handy wipe out of the right. car or something, but. But, you know, then there was an eight-month pregnant woman smoking crack uh, just around the corner. And it just, it, it, you know, we played the gig, and and uh, I think we made 18 bucks. It was Each? Just, no, total. Six bucks a piece. How many people in the band? Three. So it was six bucks each. We went to Pete's, you know, of course. That's yes. what you do. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, uh, I think when we came out of the gig, they, they had shut down the whole block. Because there had been, a, there was police tape everywhere, and there had been a shooting, and I mean, it was like my introduction to Denver and Colfax. I was like, "What kind of place is this?" You know. And you were instantly attracted by that. What's wrong with you? There. Well, what? Okay, let, to backtrack a little bit. I would throw that question because well, that's, no, what, that's what, too open ended. No, for a it's lawyer. okay. I mean, okay. it's it's what originally. Where I was originally introduced to Colfax was reading On the Road. Okay. And, a gap uh, in my knowledge, and I confess yeah. it. And we should say that when we talked about this interview, I said, you've got to see Hamilton, because you yeah. never had, and you did it. And I did. Tell me why, since I'm a big fan of Colfax yeah. and your work, yeah. this is a huge gap in my knowledge. What am I missing? What, an On the Road? Yes. Well, I mean, there's... It's interesting because there's a lot of people that don't really see, I don't know, they don't really get Kerouac's writing or they don't get what I feel. How did Colfax figure into it? Um, Well, he talks about Colfax quite a bit. uh, East Colfax, West Colfax? uh, Both. He talks about a road, some road houses that he went out to in West Colfax and and uh, of course, back in the Kerouac era, there were still the trolley cars running up and down Colfax, which are is you know you ask any old timer that comes into the museum and you say what are the top things you miss about Colfax? It's always the Aladdin Theater and the and the streetcar trolleys, and I I just picture a Colfax with those trolleys running up and down. Oh, it'd be so cool. Um, Those are real old timers. Yeah, for me, it's like the apple tree shanty, Bob's big boy. Yeah, we're talking old times. Right. I mean, they, the the trolley cars were taken uh, out in 1950, so these are people that rode the trolleys when they were kids. Got it. And they just remember it when you know mom and dad would take them on the trolley or whatever. Yeah. So um, Kerouac, you know, came to Denver in 1947, and again in 49 actually bought a house out in Lakewood 
uh, on Center Avenue, but he only stayed there a few months. He was trying to get his mom and sister to move out here, and they were real East Coasters. They missed, you know, Lakewood at that right. time was still too pastoral for them. They they liked the, still the, is they yeah they liked the big city right, and so they left. But you know, the whole Beat Generation thing revolves around Neil Cassidy, who grew up in Denver and. Uh, around Larimer Street and, you know, down in the Five Points area. He had a house on, I think it's still there. His dad's old barbershop, 26th and Champa, still there by the old Puritan Pie Company. And uh, they got an apartment by the pie company because the the smell of them baking the pies at night would disguise the still that they were running in the backyard. So they could fire up their still and whip up. The, yeah, but uh, that's a double too. The rocket fuel because yeah. that's a great smell from a bakery. Yeah, well, and the, just the smell right. from a bakery, yeah, it's right. amazing. Regardless, yes. but it also did provide a convenient cover for them. Nice. Um, and then a lot of the a lot of the beat generation history happened on Colfax. Like uh, uh, Neil Cassidy met a guy named Hal Chase here in Denver at the old what was the city library, which is now the McNichols building. But at the time, that was the, uh, the, the old Carnegie, you know, city library. And uh, he met Hal Chase. Hal Chase went off to Columbia University, and he was the one that met Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and all the writers there. And then he was telling them, hey, you know, if you guys are writers, like there's this guy back in Denver that you got to meet who's just, you know, a legend. And he was, of course, referring to Neil Cassidy. And then he arranged for Neil to come to New York and meet him. And they all met and got along famously. And then that's what led to Jack Kerouac going on the road trip is he wanted to come to Denver and figure out like, you know, what kind of town could produce someone as legendary as Neil Cassidy. So, so he came here and, and on the road, I mean, you know, uh, a good part of the book takes place in Denver. But do they refer to Highway 40? Is that how he got here? Um, well, they were talking... I mean, let's set the, the stage back then. Highway 40, it was before the before I-70, yeah. the way to go from East Coast to West Coast through Colorado? Yeah. Well, there, was, there were a few. I mean, there was the... Uh, um, the Victory Highway, and, you know, there was a lot of the earlier highways went the kind of Nebraska-Wyoming route because there weren't such extreme mountain ranges and everything to cross. But, um, but yeah, Highway—I I, I think he took Highway 6, or he was talking about taking Highway 6, which is interesting because that was—U.S. 6 was another coast-to-coast highway that also ran down Colfax. So when we're talking about Colfax— you know, you say Colfax is the longest street in America. Well, if you take, okay, Atlantic City to, you know, San Francisco, and then you think, you know, Highway 6, I think, used to go uh, New York, maybe upstate New York. I think now, and I have to research it. Yeah. But isn't it the longest commercial street in America? Well, isn't that the new label they put on it? That was the new label that I made a lot of effort to put on it because when I was running my website, talking and saying, you know, all longest street in America, 
you know, I got all this email from people all over that were like, oh, well, there's this street, and what about this street, and this street's longer than that, and whatever. But if you talk about the longest commercial street where it's front to back, all commercial storefronts, like, I, you know, I don't think there's a longer street. But then if you tie in the highways that tie into Colfax, right. I, don't, I think it might be the longest street in the world because you've, you've also got 287 runs down Colfax, which goes from Port Arthur, Texas to Yellowstone. And up into Canada. Why, where is 287 Colfax? All the way through? It ran, yeah, it, it, it turned off. Where's that? The interchange at Federal, isn't it? Federal is 287 North. So that means that, means that Colorado State University is on Colfax. No. That means Yellowstone is on Colfax. No. Yeah. Now, then if we take, if we add highway, you're making it into an octopus. No, it is an octopus. So if you if you if you then you take Highway 36 too, yeah, which runs down Colfax. Yes. That would mean what's on Highway 36? The Indianapolis 500, right? So the Indianapolis 500 no. is on Colfax. Yeah, deal with it. It's it really is. My, my Wait, kid had a game in Strasburg once, and Colfax runs through Strasburg. Yeah, yeah, they still have Colfax addresses out in Strasburg. Right, and then right on Headlight Road on the edge of Strasburg is where Colfax Avenue, you know, technically stops. But that's where the the you know junction with US thirty six keeps going. And so I mean, I'm talking Springfield, Illinois, like you know. The land of Lincoln is on Colfax, which would tie into Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln and Colfax being associates. So wow. It just, it really does. The street, it, it just goes on and on. I learn something new about it every day. And it's just like, it grew from the beat generation thing. And then I fell in love with Colfax with Anastasia and living there. In and, a and, dumpster? And we, no, we, I'm just kidding. Well, you know, we have yet to consummate in a dumpster. That might be... You haven't lived? I know. We, I, I, I really... And you can bring a bunch of handy wipes? Well, that's what she would bring the handy wipes. She, like, is uh, not... You're oh, yeah. crude. No, not, it's not crude. It's just that, you know, she is more of a germaphobe than me. Where did you fall in love on Colpex? Uh Did she watch you perform? Yeah, yeah, she'd come to my shows. We fell in love. The moment when I knew that I wanted to marry her was at the Satire Lounge. You were on stage? No, I was, I was getting some, uh, some of their Mexican food there at the Satire. And Joey came in. You know Joey there? Plates are hot. Have no, a nice time. No. Oh, you don't know Joey? That's another, oh, too. yeah. I, I don't... He's I a think Colfax I've been in this legend. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a Colfax legend. Okay, all right. No, he I is know a, it. Joey yes. is a Colfax legend, and I heard he just retired. And what's sad is, anyway, he would always come up, you know, at some point in your meal, or he'd bring you your meal, and he'd always say, "Plates are hot. Have a nice time." That was his trademark. And then some restaurant up in Oregon started. <laughs> Started saying plates are hot, have a nice time, and I, I swear it almost it, it almost killed poor Joey. I mean, it was like it was like they're, they're taking his, you know, that was his line, right? And uh, I don't know whatever came of that, but anyway, so he was. Do you remember my legend. line? See, you haven't been listening. What is your line? What a world! What a life! What a day! 
And I don't mind now. You hear people say, gosh, what a day or what a world. But if they put all three together, then I say, hey. They're encroaching on Just a little. I mean, because that was a double part saying for your satire lounge guy, right? I mean, part of it, the plates are hot. Everybody says that. But to put it together with have a nice day. Oh, it's definitely the conjunction. Did he ever say have a nice evening or have a nice meal? No. Never varied. Never varied. Not never, not since I had eaten there. Okay. And then, you know. Is he still there? Can I No, see? that's what I'm saying. I, th- I heard, I I can't confirm this, but somebody told me that he recently retired. No. And I was same. crushed. I mean, just same, like, you know, talking about you and I meeting uh, at Pete's Kitchen. I mean, man, I've been going there 25 years. I never had a bad meal. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I haven't yet. And I... Had the blessing of representing Pete on some legal this or that, and such an honor to meet him, his wife. But you knew him a lot better. We will get to that. But I think just to move this along, we need to go way back right. to what I think is the most interesting part of Colfax is just the name. Yeah. Where does it come from? Uh, that would be named after Skylar Colfax. Uh, well, we got to go back further. How does a guy get a name like Skylar Colfax? My dog's name Skylar. Well, we can go, yeah, we can go further back. Go way um, back. Where you were telling me, you know, have you seen Hamilton? And I was like, no. And I rectified that this week. I watched it. I thought it was amazing. And it talks about the Skylar sisters. And I think it was Philip Schuyler. Philip Schuyler right? was their dad, was the their first dad. senator from New York, right. who was Hamilton's father-in-law, who got beaten in an election by an upstart named Aaron Burr. Ah, yes. Sir. Yeah. So that, that led to bad feelings. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So he, Schuyler Colfax's grandmother was, in the, was Hester Schuyler, who was in the Schuyler family. And then his grandfather was William Colfax, who was uh, the captain of George Washington's personal guard. So he was a, a heavy in the Revolutionary War. I mean, he fought at Yorktown, Bull Run. He froze at Valley Forge, you know, went through all of it. And then... But there's one key site in the Revolutionary War, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah. and it was on Colfax. Correct. Well, I, it, was, it was on the old Highway 40. Um, well, Highway 40, uh, when it was created as the coast-to-coast highway, it absorbed um, you know, quite a few other turnpikes sure. and roadways and everything to make the, you know, the coast-to-coast road that it was. And uh, the eastern portion of Highway 40 was called the National Road. And if you look at the... Um, the history of uh, the Revolutionary War, Civil War, all these different things. I mean, it's just astounding, the the American history that's happened on this road. Anyway, uh, Braddock Road was the part of Highway 40 that George Washington and Schuyler Colfax's grandfather, William, rode down together to Yorktown to... uh, the surrender, right? Of yes. The, the British Army. You're giving me chills. Yeah, Cornwallis. That's where Cornwallis uh, surrendered. And so it's just amazing to think that, you know, George Washington and Schuyler's grandfather 
road down the same road that passes in front of Casa Bonita. Like, what is that? I mean... Holy cow, how are we going to fit in Casa Bonita, all the controversies? But at least we got past the Revolutionary War. Yeah. And then it's not like Schuyler Colfax is just famous for having famous uh, ancestors. Yeah. The guy was a stellar guy. And as we look around Colorado, we look at Mount Evans, now Mount Blue Sky. I like that. And you have to wonder, do we change the name of Evans Avenue? Maybe, but we don't have to worry about that with Colfax because he was on the right side of a lot of things, correct? Absolutely. Um, And it's amazing how little of this is taught in Colorado history in our schools and universities and everything. Even historians that specialize in Colorado didn't know that much about about Schuyler, but um, he was a staunch abolitionist just his whole life growing up he participated in his early political career you know in the 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 bloody kansas like when kansas and missouri were having all those fights about whether they were free or slave states Mm -hmm. or everything he was very active in the abolitionist um cause and uh um of course later became the speaker of the house uh, at a very consequential time out of yeah in the civil war and uh, was the Speaker of the House that ratified the 13th Amendment, and which is the amendment that freed the slaves. So, you know, when, I've, when I had, uh, you know, black families or whatever come into the museum and you'd tell them that little tidbit, like, hey, you drive down Colfax every day. Did you even know who this guy was? I'm like, this is the guy that, like, freed the slaves. They're like, wow, hey, that's cool. I'm like, yeah, it is. That's amazing. And uh, he was a close associate with Abraham Lincoln. And, um, and a lot of people don't know this, too, that, that uh, the last, one of the last speeches Abraham Lincoln ever wrote was for the miners of Colorado. And he gave this speech to Schuyler Colfax to take with him on his trip out west. And uh, he he wanted to you know get an idea what what you know what's going on out there and the, and a lot of it you know with the gold and silver mines too because after the Civil War, you know the coffers were empty and the country was broke, which is a recurring theme in the American timeline. And I wanted to come out here and get you know an idea uh, what was going on there. But it, we'll go back a little bit too when when. Um, Schuyler was uh, representative from Indiana. Um, he was the one who first proposed a separate territory, uh, Colorado Territory, because we were part of the Kansas Territory right. at that time. And Schuyler— Denver pr- was named after a Kansas territorial governor. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so Schuyler was the one that proposed a— a new territory separate from the Kansas Territory uh, called Kelowna. And this is in 1859, so Colorado was almost named Kelowna. And Where does that come from? Uh, I think Kelowna, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it Spanish for crown, isn't it? I would have guessed an aftershave like or that. a beer. Yeah, maybe, or, or a virus, I don't know, yes. hopefully not. But... um. 
he oh, no. um, a, a virus of the bottom part of your body. Yeah, <laughs> Kelowna. Kelowna. But oh uh, God, I've got Kelowna. <laughs> I'm glad he went with Colorado. Yeah. Well, the thing was, is he had a provision that he wanted his new territory to be free of slavery. He didn't want the Colorado Territory, well, the Kelowna Territory, to have slavery. So at that time, and we had talked earlier at Pete's Kitchen, too, about even with with drafting the Constitution and these things, how we had to make, you know, these northern politicians had to make concessions with these uh, these southern politicians for, you know, uh, and it was the same thing. Schuyler proposed this new territory, and he got shut down by the the southern uh, delegates. Just like that Hamilton story yeah. I turned you on to. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about Colorado history, and I know you do, yeah, part of Colorado was in the Republic of Texas there mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So that was a slave area. Yeah. So Colorado was sort of up for grabs, but what I'm hearing is that Schuyler Colfax helped turn the tide. Colorado was going to be not a slave state. Yeah, exactly. He, he well, and then, okay, so you, you can look at our whole downtown, right? Like, okay, so uh, Schuyler comes out. Oh, anyway, we got to, we got to back up a little bit. So, so. Schuyler was invited um, to attend the Ford Theater with Abraham Lincoln, okay? And he turned him down because he had to get up early to come to Colorado. But then, of course, that night, you know, Wilkes Booth, right? Uh, The assassinated Lincoln and... uh, And there were attacks all over town. Attacks all over town. Uh, People connected to Lincoln. Right. Yes. And so a lot of people... Would, had had said that you know if if Skyler would have been with Abe that sure. night they probably would have got him too because he was a staunch abolitionist like we were saying right. he had just ratified the these amendments and um so Skyler stays back in Washington to kind of look after Clara you know Abe's widow and 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 he, he says in his autobiography that he'd never seen an outpouring of grief like he saw for Abe Lincoln. Like the whole town, everybody was just just beside themselves because they all really knew that a really great man had had died, you know? Right. And um, At a moment that they were on the verge of total victory. Right. Horrible. Right. So then you picture you're living in Colorado at that time. You're not a state. You're not even a territory. You know, you're part of Kansas territory. There's been this war going on for four or five years, and now the president's just been killed, and you're out here going like, man, is there even going to be a country to join? Right. And here comes Schuyler Colfax, 1865, makes his way out here by stagecoach, was met by territorial governor John Evans. Oh, Evans. He's actually met by Evans. And um, and this is after the Sand Creek Massacre. And this I think is, that happened toward the end of the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's a whole other show. Right, but that's why Evans' name is tarnished, yeah. because he... Well, as well, it, it right. should be. Right. It should be. Um, anyway, I uh, 
Colf, we'll, we'll stick to this right. for now, but he, he comes out and, and, and gives this just rousing speech, and he reads the speech that Abraham Lincoln, you know, Abraham Lincoln wrote this Ooh. for the people of Colorado, oh. and everybody's just like, whoa, like, you know, the dead president is speaking to us again, and... And so everyone gets fired up. They think that that you know Colfax could be the guy that helps Colorado get statehood. And he just affirms to everyone. He just says, you know, the union's not going away. Abraham Lincoln's death is is a is a symbol of you know what makes this country great and what we're fighting for. And the struggle's real. And you know we got a ways to go to get there, but it's going to happen. And you know pro union. So. Everybody loves him, goes nuts, uh, and they take this little street called Grand Avenue, which is about six blocks behind the state capitol, and say, you know, we're going to name this street after you. And, of course, at that time, it was all the houses of the elite and the super wealthy were on Grand Avenue. So early Colfax was like, you know really i mean when people say oh colfax is getting too just above the capital yeah it was just above the capital the high ground right and it was you know huge mansions just and and you know there's a reason molly brown right when when they got rich bought a house just off and there's a reason and i know from walking up it many times that they call it capitol hill Right. Because you get the high ground. That's why they built the Capitol there, but the swell houses and now the Basilica, they have the high ground on that central yeah. hill in Denver, Colorado. Right. And so you can see where the people of Denver at that point, you know, because uh, there was that skirmish like Glorietta Pass and there were efforts of the of the Confederacy to get into Colorado because, you know, people wanted to take control of the mines. They wanted to, you know, get the ore. And... uh and they, that was defeated and, and everything. But, but if, if, if you look at, you know, right after Schuyler's visit, okay, look at the streets of our downtown, okay? Lincoln, Colfax, Grant Street, right? General Grant, President Grant. Logan was a Civil War general. Pennsylvania, what's on Pennsylvania Avenue, right? This nation's capital. So, so... All those streets around our capital, even the corner of our capital is Colfax and Lincoln, right? Right. So it's like, that was when, you know, people in this town just said, you know, we, we're with the union and we want in and we want statehood and we're, we're you know, a huge fan. And that, It's interesting who's left out. I can't remember. Well, uh, Sherman, there's a, a Sherman Street too. I forgot about right. him. But I'm thinking about Johnson. There's no Johnson Street because he was a stinker of a president. And for a while after Abe Lincoln was assassinated, the South kind of rose again and Congress blocked, or maybe Colorado politics blocked the joining of the Union until 1876. But that happened under Grant, who Mm -hmm. was uh, just like Colfax, against racism, really yeah. against slavery. So those guys should be honored. Gosh, Skylar Colfax was a heck of a dude. What else can you tell us about him? Well, let's see. I'm trying to think. He, uh, 
I mean, what was his main his, skill? Was he just a politician, or did he have? A- uh, well, he ran a he ran a newspaper. He was a, a prolific writer. He actually made his local paper in South Bend, Indiana. He was a Hoosier. Uh, made his local paper profitable, which that's a feat. Hey, yeah, that's a feat right there. Uh, well, another thing that he um, deserves a lot of credit for is okay after taking. Anyone who's ever driven across Kansas, okay, you know what we're dealing with. It's yeah. just a long, boring, flat, straight, oh, is this, so? you know, are we there yet, right? Picture doing that by stagecoach on a really bumpy road for all those hours. So he shows up in Colorado. First thing on his mind, we got to get a railroad built. This is ridiculous. So if you look at the story of the building of the Transcontinental Railroad, right, the western terminus of it is in, wait for it, Colfax, California. Oh. Yes. There's a town of Colfax in California. And I was actually wearing a Colfax hat at the airport, and this woman came up and was like, no way, you know, Colfax, are you from... You know, are you from California? I said, no, this this is about Skyler and everything. And then it turns out, you know, well, I had my guitar with me, and she goes, well, you know, what's out by Colfax, California? I said, what? Folsom Prison. I'm just like, you're kidding me. So it turned out her dad was the warden of Folsom Prison. And, and she so, was she was stuck there. Yeah, so I whipped out my no, guitar. And, and, stuck in Folsom Yeah, she prison. was stuck in Folsom. Okay. Yeah, and so... So I whipped my guitar out, and we, we sang some Johnny Cash at the airport, and it was, you know, there was well, you do much Johnny rejoicing. Too? I do a little bit, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, um, just fascinating. So you, there's a statue of, of Schuyler out in Colfax, California, talking about building the railroad. And, of course, a lot of that had to do with um, forming a – a treasury like part of part of his vision when he was talking with John Evans is he said you know we we need to create a treasury in Colorado that's it's it's not just going to be a treasury for the United States but it's going to be a treasury for the world and a lot of people don't know this about the US mint on Colfax is they don't just mint United States coins they make coins for governments all over the world. And part of what the change, the, uh, you know, the fortunes. Is that a pun? Yeah. Part of what changed <laughs> the, um, the outcome for a lot of these rich uh, people that lived on Colfax was the silver crash in the, in the 1890s, 1893. And that silver crash happened partially because the British government which was then a protectorate of India, right? You know, India was a, a, a colony of the British Empire. The silver rupees that they were making for India were being made at, in, in Colorado and, at our mint. And then they stopped. They took it off the silver standard. And so the, the value of silver crashed. And so a lot of these um, heavily invested, you know, in, in silver barons of that era you know lost lost their fortune you know what else came down right then 
What was that? A lot of the population of Leadville said, we can't make money here anymore, yeah. and they came down to Denver. Yeah. Well, like my ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. Because was, that was the big find in Leadville, wasn't it? So yes. It was a silver Yeah, town. it was a huge silver rush. Right. And then the, the bottom dropped out. You're yeah. telling the story why. Yeah. I... My favorite building in the world is city and county building. Yeah. That meant right on the other side, the capital yeah. to the east. And that's all on Colfax. Yeah. It's well, just they, amazing. Well, yeah, they didn't. I mean, that, so that would have been, you know, that would have been at the other, other mint. I guess they, they first started making coins on Colfax in 1906. Where was the other mint? Where was it? I think it was more... I don't know. Anything off Colfax, it's vague. All I know is when I was a kid, was Clark, Clark, Clark and Gruber, was that it? Something I, like where's that? Where's Gruber? I thought it was Where's like, Clark? Well, no, that's not the town. I think it was that those were the guys that were had the, oh. that had the refinery. I think well, those I are the guys know. that refined the metals. I can tell you this. The Pat Schroeder got a bright idea to move the mint to a little north of Park Hill Golf Course. And they ruined three great holes in anticipation of that deal that never came about. And Park Hill's never been as good of a golf course. And now it's not even a golf course anymore. They had a number 12. Do you remember that? You'd never yeah. got, you didn't get here in time, I don't think. Yeah. Not for the old Park Hill. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about the well, old Colfax too. And then they tore it all up and that last big rain came and flooded Colorado Boulevard anyway. Why not? No, to City so, Park. Right. So that they, was all fixed. I guess they fixed it. Yes. So, you know, anyway. Uh, Skylar Colfax would have fixed that. He, he would have Colfax would have fixed it. I mean, so, you know, like I said, you know, growing up in Salt Lake, they taught you what? Where did the East and West Railroad come together? At Promontory Point, Golden Spike, Utah. Golden Spike, Utah. Guess what? That's not, according to this little museum out in Comanche Crossing, out on East Colfax, they say the first meeting for real of the Transcontinental Railroad happened just off Colfax, Craig. No. Yes. And this is why. they Because partially some of the routes uh, of the early railroad didn't have bridges built yet. They actually had to use, they had to ferry cars across. And... Uh, so they they claim that you know that the the when it actually was completed for real that it happened at Comanche Crossing, which is out on East Colfax. So that's another wild Colfax story. But they do they have a little museum out there. I think they have a, a dress of of uh, Clara Lincoln's. I mean, they've got just all kinds of stuff that's just wild. All right, well let's move it ahead to my grandfather's time. Because yeah, he was a lawyer who would be like 110 now. So yeah. I think a lot about the 20s, 1920s, because it was such an interesting time in American history. And in Colorado, we had the Klan emerge oh. 100 years ago when, when my grandpa Harry was trying to practice law on 16th Street. Oh. And... Uh, what would Colfax have been like back then? Was there racism on Colfax? What was it like? Well, I mean, if we're talking 1922 Denver, when one in four people were in the Klan, I'm pretty sure somewhere on Colfax there were some racists. But I've also heard uh, from the um, Jewish clientele that used to come in the museum, you know, like yourself and others, 
uh, that, you know, the clan would burn crosses up on Table Mountain and then they would, they would drive down because, you know, West Colfax was traditionally a, a Jewish neighborhood. Right. A, a lot of immigrants and, and uh, a lot of Eastern European Jewish settlement there. And, and they would drive menacingly down West Colfax after these rallies. And you could see crosses burning on the mountain. And it was really intimidating and scary. And, uh, you know, so I've also heard that in the 20s that a, a lot of the state highways in Colorado, that there would be KKK, like, you know, goon squads out at, at the border. And just like when people, brown and black people were coming to Colorado, they would be like, turn around, you ain't coming in our state and stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough subject, man. I mean, but if you look at this, Craig, it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of disappointing that, uh, you know, Mississippi had integrated schools before Colorado, okay? So, I mean, Colorado, we might pride ourselves on being this really progressive kind of state, but um, I don't know. It, it, it seems, yeah, it, we, we still got a long way to go. I don't know that Martin Luther King would say we're quite at the mountaintop. Right, but my theory is Colfax is reflective of Denver, of yeah. Aurora, of Lakewood, of Colorado, and America. It's yeah. got some wonderful parts, but it's got dangerous parts. It's yeah. got examples of people of all kinds getting along, but it's got other examples of yeah. horrible racism. So, yeah. and, and I do think to get up to those foothills to light those big fires, which would scare the shit out of everybody yeah. of color and Jewish people down below, yeah. I think they went up Colfax. I've got... I've had shows on this because some of my heroes fought them, and Denver Public Library has sound, uh, incredible history. And that's why I like talking to you because you love history too. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out Colfax's role because when we were at the museum, um, we talked about Percy. Yeah. I'm going to brag I showed in my home a picture of my Uncle Gene, who was the owner-operator of a place called the Pickerib. And he had a black chef named Percy who had the greatest barbecue sauce in the world. Everybody would go to the pick rib. Where's that? Where Annie's Cafe? Yeah, it's Annie's. Well, Annie's just closed, which is sad. Right. But but so there the, was, and there was one at Spear, Colfax and Spear, too. There were two locations. Anyway, Percy came to Monaco Lanes, and people would stand in line to eat at a bowling alley because Percy's barbecue sauce and ribs were so Good. I don't really remember Pickerib, but there you have my uncle's restaurant's little shot glasses in there in a museum in downtown Denver. Yeah, we've got um, some menus from the Pickerib and photos and mugs and some stuff. But it's just really interesting because, you know, some people, you know, just in the current woke era we're going through, I mean, they would they would look at the advertising and they'd say, oh, my God, that's so racist. And I'd be like, no, that's the cook. Right, because he had a matchbook featuring yeah. Percy, I'm, I'm like, no, a happy black yeah. chef on the cover, but yeah. he really worked there. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, this isn't just, they it, didn't just it, make this up. This is like, that's the guy, and he was the cook. Now, he was the draw. If, if, if you go, you know, if you look at maybe some other restaurants on Colfax, I mean, there was the Dixie Cafe, and it had a, Showed a, a black woman eating watermelon on their, you know, on their advertising. Yeah, probably leaning towards seriously racist. Or there was a restaurant on East Colfax called The Plantation. 
that had all black staff. So, you know, there was some stuff. But the thing is, too, that's amazing about Denver is is how many African-American icons came out of Denver as well. That like, like Hattie McDaniel, for example, you know, East High grad and, uh, you know, first, uh, first black black woman to ever win an Academy Award, um, you know, for and Gone with the Wind. But she also broke all these boundaries in radio. She, she had a, a radio show. She was a recording artist. And um, she had a lot of support from the, her cast and crew. Like there, they would be big banquets or something where they'd say, you know, you can't, you know, can't bring the, can't bring the black woman with you in there or something. And Douglas Fairbanks or one of her, you know, of these He's other Hollywood stars, yeah, would just be like, you know, look, if if she's not going, I'm not going, kind of thing. So so. She did get some support, but but just the people that have come out of East High School in in the black community. I mean, Pam Greer, first lady of of, of you know the seventies, you know. Uh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, fine fine actor, uh, entertainer. I mean, you know, in that mild. What about Joe Barry Carroll? Do you know who he was? Tell me the Joe Barry Carroll. All right. Well, he was a sophomore when I was a senior, and he was pretty good. He may have blocked my shot a little, but he ended up being the first-round draft choice for the Warriors. Oh, and I nice. think he had some all-pro years as an NBA star nice. out of East High School in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's some amazing. And my mother, don't leave her out. My mother, Barbara, was an East High grad. And my uncle Gene was too. Yeah, they all went to East High. My dad went to West High, but given how Colfax is kind of like Sixth Avenue, we'll give him that too. But uh, I, I mean, the twenties, the thirties. What about the forties? During the war, was Colfax? It was still the major thoroughfare in America. Yeah. It wasn't until Ike really disrupted things with the highway program right. that Colfax became different right yeah exactly i mean um so it it became part of highway 40 in 1926 so you know the rise of the car culture let's you know hitting the road the american road trip and all that stuff that there was the height of that from 26 till about 1966 and um it was interesting because ike was, you know, he was a patient off Colfax out at Fitzsimmons. Right. And he, that's when, I, 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 from what I understand is, is Eisenhower, when he was touring Germany uh, in post-World War II, he drove on the Audubon. And, and if, if you haven't driven on the Audubon, I have, I ran, rented a fast car and just, I mean, it is just the greatest stretch of highway ever to Why? go to go fast on because they built the road to go fast i mean all the turns are seriously banked and everything oh. i mean it, it just yeah it just you can ride this thing it's like so it's not like i-73 it's not like i-70 through the mountains or like through clear creek canyon or something it's like where you would roll going over 60 no, no these, but i'm saying these in kansas are, you yeah. could go about 120 but yeah oh yeah 
No, they, these turns are, are more bang. fun. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing stretch of highway, and and of course, part of the building of the autobahn was, uh, you know, defensive. Was we need to be able to move troops. I didn't know that. In rapid fashion. So if we need to get them from here to here, you know, we've got the road to do it. And so part of Eisenhower's motivation for the interstate highway system was a a defensive move, was, was, you know, like we, if what happens if we ever get invaded here at home, we need to be able to get troops, you know, to and fro you know, in, in lightning fashion. And I mean, then, Eisenhower uh, would know all about Colfax, not just from being here for his hospitalization, but yeah. the military aspect of Colfax and his wife right. was a South High yeah. girl, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, Mamie grew up in Denver, so. So I bet he knew a lot about Colfax. Yeah, yeah. She she knew, you know, she was a fax girl as well. So, you know, they... Um, but you know when they when they bypassed uh, Colfax as as this tourist strip through town, uh, you know it just took all that traffic uh, away from the street and and there were even some business owners um, like Eddie Bone uh, out of the Pick and Whistle on West Colfax or the Pig and Whistle was saying that they didn't even build an exit from I seventy that they could, people could even get to his restaurant. He was like calling his political buddies and trying to get right. favors. Like, hey, are you going to give me an exit so I can actually service my motel? And then, and then you figure, okay, what happens when you've got three hundred motels on a street with no tourist traffic? Ah, well, I guess we got to start renting by the hour, and uh, so it just was. It, it, it you know it went from kind of the Route 66 of Colorado uh, with just, you know, incredible neon. The motels were nice. They had swimming pools. They had supper clubs, restaurants, you know, just, it just, it was such a cool, it was like the, the, the strip in Vegas, you know, it was like our version of that. And that's what had been post-war. And this is, this, yeah, this would have been post-war, right? All the baby boomers and people got money to spend and they're, you know, here like. uh, So what was the nightlife like back then? Where would you go to have a good time? Where would you see a show? What was there to do on Colpax? Oh, okay. Well, um, God, you know, there, there was a guy that actually started a fishing pond on Colfax, uh, there was there was a fishing pond down by the Aladdin Theater, and a mini golf course, and you know all this kind of stuff. There was there was actually an alligator wrestling pond out on East Colfax. No. Yeah, Aurora. Yeah, you could right. actually go wrestle gators, and it said you know kids six and under free. So. <laughs> Free wrestling. So make sure make, make sure the Gators are hungry. Oh, but I, I you know so so in the height of that cold car culture thing, you know there were all kinds of just these roadside attractions. You know you had like Pete Smythe uh, started his own Western town out on West Colfax, East Ten Cup, made himself the mayor, broadcast his show on KOA from his front porch. And he had all kinds of guests out there from Chet Atkins to Bob Hope to, you know, uh, Duke Ellington, all these people. Uh, 
So there was, you know, and, and, and we keep bringing up the Aladdin Theater, which is the Taj Mahal of Denver. Mr. Movies, Harry Huffman, built that as his, his prized um, just accomplishment of all of his movie theaters. And you got, that's not good English, Craig. You yeah. obtained great artifacts from the Aladdin Theater. Yeah. So actually, so I met this guy at the, at the Denver Library. We were both just you know, surfing through some microfilm and looking at old film listings. And I looked over and saw him, and he was looking at all these film listings. And I said, you know, hey, you know, what do you work on? It looks like you're interested in old movies and stuff. And, and he told me that he was writing a book about old Denver theaters and compiling all this stuff. And I told him, hey, I got this Colfax Museum. And anyway, we, we got to talking, and then it struck up a friendship. And we've been doing lunch and just talking Colfax and stuff. And yesterday, he invites me to lunch, and, and, and it's like, I got something for your museum. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I went to his apartment yesterday, and he had the letter E from the words Aladdin Theater, right? Because it was, it was made in the cement. It was actually, you know, made in cement. Aladdin Theater on the front. And all the letters were smashed when they were demolishing it in, the, in maybe, I think, 84 is when it came down. And he's like, I, I, I found the last E at the end of theater was the only letter still intact. And it's made out of, you know, like concrete. The thing weighs a ton. And oh my he, gosh. he snuck in there, I think, into the hole now, in the fence. How and, did he bring it to you? In a truck? Well, no, I, I, I took a dolly up to his, you know, I, took, I grabbed a dolly. And what and are you going to do with that letter E? It's in my van parked in front of your house right now. We can go, t- we can what, go take what a about, look at it. What did you have? Then you have some object, like not a gargoyle. but it There's had some finials is what they, I, I believe they call it. Finials. And, yeah, and they're, they're, they look like kind of. F-I-N-I-A-L-S? F-I-N-I-A-L-S. And they, they look kind of like an onion. Right. But it's that that Arabic sort of dome, you know, it's wide at the bottom and then you know goes up to a just a point at the top. It's like something you would see in Aladdin. And that's the original from the Aladdin Theater. And those are the original tips that were on the um, the overhang, yeah, that came out in the front. Then I, I and that was a guy from Arizona got a hold of me. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I got something that you might want. And Holy cow. He's like, you know, I saw they were tearing down the Aladdin, and I went and grabbed a couple of uh, pieces from the, you know, from the marquee. And I'm like, absolutely. And, you know, they weigh, they don't, you know, you see them in the case. It doesn't look like much, but they're solid steel. I mean, those things weigh 50, 60 pounds. Okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room yeah. and advise you of your rights because there is a crime called receiving stolen property. And presumptively, <laughs> when it has to do with Colfax, yeah. there may be criminality involved. Yeah. I'm thinking about some famous crimes along there, and it's sad. But isn't even. there a statute of limitations, though? I know, at some but point? I don't want you to confess too much. But really, what about. Crime in Colfax. The other day we were talking about Hubcap Annie. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not making any allegations, but Johnny Barber, how about you? Let's just, I mean, bless her heart. Let's just start by saying... um, Where where was she located on Colfax? She had a few locations. And I, I, I'm, I don't know the exact address off the top of my head. I'm thinking just a little west of Colorado Boulevard. It's in my book. It's in my Colfax Ah. book. 
Well, there was one on Capitol Hill. That Give was, a plug. How can people buy your book? Well, it's 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 not in print yet. Oh, come on. Which is good because I I you know found a couple of key facts that I needed to correct. But I, I think you know if anyone out there is a book publisher and wants the, the most comprehensive Colfax book I've ever seen. Well, yeah, give them the Hubcap Annie chapter, the crime chapter, well, right so here. She had a, she had one on kind of down by the Immaculate. Conception Cathedral across the street, and then she had one that was east of Colorado Boulevard for a while. So she okay, had a few okay, locations. Okay, that's right. But it, I think Hubcap Annie's is because it was a, 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 you know, what is it syndicated or you know it was it was part of a chain trademark right that had started in Memf- in Memphis. Yeah, it was a franchise, and and and, and this is here's what's amazing because you know I'm an Elvis fan. The original Hubcap Annie's opened next door to a house that the Presleys lived in in Memphis, which is just amazing. So anyway, so she started the the Hubcap Annie's, and she would do all these. She was a, a, a master of marketing. I mean, she would just do the craziest stuff. Like she would dress up like a like a Viking woman or something with the long braids and the shield and a spear, and you know, stand out in front of. Hubcap, but you know there were all these stories going around about her that she was a meth head and and you know she was running some crime racket and doing all this stuff. So I just like started asking around and I, I found her, Craig. She's she's at a at a rest home out out in Littleton, and I arranged to go sit down with her and just kind of hear her side of the story. And it's so not what people think. She was really sweet. She was like, I, she was like, I never touched meth in my life ever, nor would I ever. And she's like, you know, maybe took a few too many diet pills or whatever, but you know, she kept it pretty. Did pretty she clean. take hubcaps from people who might have obtained them? Well, see, improperly. now this is this is the gray area, Craig, because uh, <laughs> because before I met her, um, somebody came into the museum and had said that. They bought their same hubcaps three times from Hubcap Annie's, and they just kept getting stolen again. And then he'd go back in the shop and be like, "Hey, so what he did is he finally signed his initials on the inside of his hubcaps." And so when he went into her store and said, "Hey, you know, pull those off the wall," right. he could say, "Aha!" And, and so, she gave it to him for a discount. She right? gave. She just gave them to him. Oh, okay. she just said, "Here." Just please don't say anything. Right, I think is what happened. Wow! But but she was really sweet. But she charmed you. Yeah, we we really hit it off. So I I you know I I hope she's doing okay. I haven't t- looked her up since the pandemic. What but. is the story of Eddie Bone? Eddie Bone? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My he just had that pig and whistle. I'm trying to think of famous characters. Uh, you know, Pete Contos. We teased yeah. him. Let's talk about him. Well, well, let's start. We can start with Eddie Bone. Let's just okay, say, okay, please, famous restaurant tours. Let's okay, go so uh, Eddie Bone started out. I mean, he was a, a, a you know wanted to be a boxer, and he got kind of his start. You know, making making a living as a young man, uh, sparring with Jack Dempsey. The Manassa Mauler. Right. Manassa, Colorado. Exactly. Another Colorado. And a Mormon town, Manassa. Did you know that? Was was 
Dempsey a Mormon? He had Mormon blood, and he had a lot of different blood. What? He was really mixed race. Read the biographies of Jack Dempsey. But definitely Whoa. it was a Mormon town, Manasseh, that little area near Four Corners, no Arizona. Way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense, you know. I mean, you know, the Zion is, they pretty much claimed the whole West when they came out here, but... Anyway, so Eddie got his start, you know, making, I think he was getting 20 bucks around. You know, I don't know if it's worth any amount of money to, to take hits from Dempsey. But uh, um, started, yeah, started his, his parents had some property out there on West Colfax. And he, you know, just got that idea because he wanted to develop it and create a hot spot and uh, a motel and a restaurant and everything like that. And he was very fascinated with the three little pigs. And he had murals that had the pigs on it. And I always wondered, you know, what is it with the three little pigs? And then it was like, oh, he's at Colfax and Wolf Street. Aha. I get it. Right? So he, um, yeah, I, I mean, all kinds of people, the, uh, the Dorsey brothers and, you know, anyone who was in the sports thing and all kinds of politicians and everybody used to hang out at the pig. And uh, there's even a, a movie with, uh, what is it, Danny Glover? God, what is that movie There's a, that has the intro of the movie is shot at the pig and whistle? And you I don't see remember that. Then Clint Eastwood shoot at and there's, something. There's a little pig and whistle, I think, in Every Which Way But Loose, too. But, uh, yeah, so he, um, you know, that place was... We have a lot of the stuff down there. Okay, the, well, let's just drop names. Because Jack Dempsey, no doubt, aided Eddie Bones. Oh, He's famous as hell. Well, there's photos of Dempsey sparring in the Pig and Whistle. We have in our museum. We've actually got photos of him in there, and he's just, like, taking on anybody that wants to take a shot at him. And, and He probably got an idea to be a restaurateur because he opened Jack Dempsey's in New York. Maybe yeah. he got that idea from Colfax, Eddie Bone. Yeah, it could have been. Who, who's the most famous person ever to be on Colfax? Was Elvis on Colfax? Elvis was, um, I told you I was you know, good friends with Jerry Kennedy, the old Denver police captain. A frequent guest of my show. Oh, what, I just love Jerry. And uh, rest in peace, you know, he, yes. he recently passed away. But um, he told me that they they took Elvis to uh, Sid King's Crazy Horse Bar back in the day. Okay, now there's a name. Yeah. And I met Sid King because he ended up working at the what shoe, is shoe, the shoe place repair. on Hamden and yeah. I-25. Yeah, and, like you know, Hampton it's a little Monica. hut. Yeah. But the guy was about three foot eight. He was a great yeah. man. But he in a hut, he had a lot of room. Yeah. And he, he had a great career after running Sid King's Crazy Horse and maybe a few divorces. I don't know. I like the guy. He repaired my <laughs> shoes. That's when I. That's when I met him. I. I. You know. That was before right. my time. And it the, was the before my. Was. I. I never. Yeah. I don't remember that. I remember driving by it, but I was just a little too young, and it seemed like old people would be there. And, uh, but I heard about it, and now you're telling me Elvis was there with Jerry Kennedy. It was a strip club, and. Was it kind of old timey? They had pasties and stuff like that. Well, you could. Um, well, I just have to answer to that to the the shoe repair booth because I, you know, the the crazy horse was before my time. 
But I, I, I asked him, you know, he was where it was one of those photo, remember those those photo places you used to drop your pictures yes. off and they would say, oh, 24 hour developing or whatever. Uh-huh. So it was, it was one of those photo finish booths that he made his shoe repair. And I said, man, you know, Sid, it's a long way down. Like, you know, doing this little shoe repair booth from being the king of Colfax strip tees. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. No, I'm I'm so much happier now. You don't even know. He was like looking after all those girls was a major headache. So he was hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, had the revolving bar in there, and he would always have crazy jokes about you know people and 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 the different strippers. And I collected a lot of his Sid King isms for my book too. And was he the MC? Did he crack whites? Is that why he did oh, yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, he would MC and then his his wife ran it with him too and his wife was kind of got involved later to keep a closer eye on, you know, where all the liquor and the bar sales were going and you know, she kind of ran it a little tighter right. ship than, than what a legendary it. spot and it's a centerpiece of your exhibit yeah. at History Colorado. Tell us about how you got that sign. Well, there's um, there's a few pieces to the sign. The first piece that I saw, um, a friend of mine, Corky Scholl, he runs a Facebook page called Save the Signs. And uh, I think he saw it. Someone was listing it on Craigslist for sale, and he was like, oh, yeah, I got to grab that. And he restored that piece. And then I saw that somebody, um, you know, when I started the museum, people would just come out of the woodwork and kind of be like, hey, Colfax Museum, you know, I've got something in my garage you're going to want to see or whatever. And uh, somebody got a hold of me, I think Silas was his name, and he just, he found the sign just in a pile of junk. And he just, you know, found it. Oh, wait, yeah. that one that's in the museum yeah, right he now? Yeah, just, he found it in a, in a garbage pile and he pulled the letters out. He what was, and year? He was, he was, this would have been back in the 80s. And he was just a young kid and he took them home. And he was asking his dad, you know, like, Dad, what, what's, what is this? What's going on? And, and his dad was like, I, son, I, I think that's Sid King's crazy horse sign. <laughs> and so he held on to it for years. And then he was working on some other project and, and, you know, got a hold of me and said, hey, would the museum want to buy this or something? I'm like, absolutely. So we got that part of the sign and that's down in the exhibit. And then um, we got contacted later, too. Somebody said, hey, I've got the the mannequin that used to stand out because there was a revolving platform on the sign that jutted out over the bar, and they had this mannequin that would that was, like, revolving, and she was wore, like, lingerie or whatever. And I was asking people, you know, if she had a name. We were trying you know, to- I'm not sure she had a pronoun. Yeah. I think it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It probably right. was it in this generation. Well, now she's well in this generation. She would be a they, but uh, but you know, back in the day, it was definitely a she. You okay, can tell. right. Just by just on the choice of wigs alone and the lingerie. And yeah, and so someone got a hold of me and was like, "Hey, you know, I I got this this mannequin from the Sid King sign." And once again, you know, I don't want to in- incriminate ourselves or whatever, but you know, it was apparently some hippie guy was out riding his bike down Colfax and he saw a construction fence around Sid King's and saw they were going to tear it down and he got it in his mind that he was going to do this 
chivalrous move and liberate the uh, the mannequin from the sign. And so he is just drunk off his ass and he scales the front of the building and gets up there and grabs the mannequin. And when he was climbing down, he fell oh. and he landed on her foot. So he broke her foot off, but he was like, I got to get out of here. So, I mean, you just picture this drunk hippie Riding a bike down Colfax with this mannequin under his oh, arm, with a broken up, with a broken foot, and so that's how we knew when we got the you know the mannequin. But I then I had another guy before that though got a hold of me and was like, hey, you know, I've got the Sid King mannequin. Would you want to buy it from me? And I'm I'm embarrassed to even say how much we were like gonna cough up for this thing. And Wait, I'm, do you pay for this stuff like the Sid King sign? Did you well, pay for that? Yeah, that that I did. Some of the stuff we do, and that's where you know we do fundraisers and and because we're a five hundred one c three, so we can get donations. All right, give out the website: colfaxavenue.org. Colfaxavenue.org. Yeah. So most most of it is stuff you know I that I I paid for just to put it together and and I mean I just saw so much stuff disappearing in Denver. Craig, like it was happening so fast and, and not just stuff like fly by night, not like, you know, your five year, 10 year businesses, but like 80 year, like the hangar bar was around for 80 years when that closed or Fitzsimmons golf course, you know, which had Ike's tree on it. So many times. Right. And they like tore it down to build a parking lot, like such vision, you know, such vision. And, you know, Ma Tom Fez closed down, and, and, and now I understand Hot Chicka Latte is closing this week. I, Where is that? Oh, oh, you got three days to get Where down there, it? Craig. It's like, it's it's uh, east of Colorado Boulevard. It's like 40-something 40, 40 block. What about Bastien's? Is it still open? I yeah, ba- so. Bastion's. I just got a sugar steak last week a from A sugar there. steak. Oh, God, their sugar steaks oh. are amazing. And the decor there and their neon sign and everything. I, I love that place. That that started as the moon, the moon drive-in. That's why it looks kind of like a UFO. Just when you got to town, 1997, I had left the DA's office, lost my bed to be DA, noticed that they had shut down all the hotels on on a a, a nuisance lawsuit brought by the government. And then I got contacted by some homeowners because there's a community, people live in houses right around there, disturbed by the prostitution and the syringes and all the uh, after effects of that on their neighborhood. And so we sued under a nuisance theory and got a nice recovery. But now they're back in the news because the Awani, and you have memorabilia from this, the Chateau, the Regis, all defendants in this case of mine in the late 90s, um, they're back in the news because people are buying them again. What do you make of that? A lot of allegations of whore deals. You already talked about our rentals. Yeah. The seamy side, the X-rated, even, you know, not kind of R-plus of Sid King, but down-and-out dirty stuff on Colfax do you touch that at the Colfax Museum? Well, my my take on it is if it happened on Colfax, it's going in. You know what I mean? I I, I absolutely, um, you know. All right, tell us the nastiest things on Colfax. I guess with your dumpster story, it's hard to top that. That was pretty, pretty close for me on a personal 
there was one time too when I back when I was still doing my Elvis show. Okay, I I I had Ed was performing for uh, the Live Nation group down at uh, the Fillmore because they run the, the Fillmore Auditorium. And I was walking out after doing this show, and I was in a Elvis, you know, jumpsuit and the whole deal. And I walk out on Colfax, and this just like crazed homeless guy, uh, out of his mind, just like saw me and just just went crazy, and and came over and put me into this like this headlock that I could not get out oh, of. No. I mean, he was like psycho strong, and he had me. It was like, dude, are you some kind of pro wrestler here? Right. Because he had me in this headlock. I there was no way I was getting out, and uh, and I I just go look, you know what, you know what's it gonna take? And he's like, he's like, sing me a song and I'll let you go, Elvis. Oh boy. And I, I, I was afraid this was gonna get sexual because that no. was sort of the lead in. But go ahead. No. Well, you know what I mean. I mean okay. you know, I'm it, it is Colfax, so you're just like, okay, when does it get sexual? But what not this time. Sing? Not what this did time. You sing? And so I said, I said, Well, you know, what do I sing? Please release me. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, No, no. What what's that what's that song? Oh yeah, okay. Sing in the ghetto. Oh. Sing me in the ghetto and I'll let you go. The whole song? No, so here's the thing. So, right, so I, 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 I sing the first verse on in the, the chorus. On Chicago morning. Right. And I, and I give him, you know, in the ghetto, and, and, and I'm thinking I'm good. And he's and like, you know. Are you still in a headlock while you're singing? Yeah. I'm, he, no, he did not let up. He, he, I, I was having to sing in a highly, like, compromised position, right? And uh, so, yeah, no, he wanted the whole song. So when I but when I finished the song, true to his word, he let me go. So did he cry? Because that has a sad sad ending. Oh, I think I think by the end we were both crying. <laughs> I, I I think for different reasons. Oh my God. <laughs> for different reasons. But but I mean I've seen I've seen some crazy because I also worked you know some different jobs on on Colfax. I I helped my wife manage the holiday chalet for a little while. The stuff we saw coming in and out of there was just, I mean, unbelievable. Um, right, and Sid King's, maybe it was classy. I was never really in there. I don't know if I went to Saturdays, but that was kind of... Saturdays was 18 and up, so I have a lot of friends and people I know that, you know, got in a lot of trouble there when they were young men because you could get in there when you were and 18. it was fully nude as i recall yeah and it was it was fully nude and um what, I, what I, could go wrong i know i just i but i i recently uh recovered i it was my theory that the the famous chef because that building started as the famous chef back in the in the 40s uh or early 50s and uh what was that? A giant restaurant? Yeah, and when they were yeah, and when they were tearing it down, I I was telling the city, I'm like, I'm pretty sure the original famous chef sign is still under that Saturday strip club sign, and they're like, oh no, we looked under there, it's not there. I don't know, you're you know, and they just told me you know, I was wrong, whatever. Then Mercy Housing bought the land, and they're the ones redeveloping it right now. And they were super nice. I called them, hey, you know, I, I think there's this old 1950 neon sign under that old sign. And they're like, oh, well, here's the code. Go in there and poke around. And if it's there, it's yours. 
And uh, so my brother and I went down there and started peeling the old strip club sign off. And lo and behold, there was the famous chef. And so we've, we've got that sign in our museum now. Where's the museum? I mean, is that... I, it's just, I'm well, most of it's in storage. You know, I've got that stuff at History Colorado, but, you know... How much of your stuff is at History Colorado? What fraction? Uh, maybe 25%, maybe less, 20%. I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. We just got the sign from the Denver Diner, Colfax and Spear. That was... Everybody I know has got a Denver Diner story. I mean, that, that See, place See, to me, that's legend. too recent. Wasn't that the white spot when I was growing up? When you were that, well, this is the thing: is the Denver Diner sign that we've got was the original white spot sign. They okay. just they right. just put different letters right. on it. But the 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 box of the sign is the white spot sign, which is cool. So that would have been in the '60s. I love the greasy spoons long Colfax. Let's just pay tribute. We talked about Pete Contos. Oh, what a. We didn't, hey, I just want to mention Taki Daddy Otis, who started yeah. Greek Town, and he he wasn't as famous probably as Pete or as successful, but he was successful and he was famous and he was a hell of a restaurateur, and so many Greek restaurateurs like Taki Daddy yeah. Otis, Pete Kanos, on Colfax, they made their name yeah. and they served great food. Well, did Taki started the Greek Town Cafe? Yes, right. Well, and we, we didn't really talk too much about Pete Contos. I mean, when people ask me, you know, or when I was doing my Elvis show, you know, people would joke, oh, yeah, you're the king, right, because you're Elvis or whatever. I'd be like, oh, you're the king of Colfax. And I'd be like, I'm not, you know, that would be Pete Contos if I had to vote on a king of How Colfax. How well did you know Pete? Or maybe Sid King. But, I yeah, I knew, I knew Pete for a lot, a lot of years, and uh, he... We we were we were friends and you know when he first had remodeled the satire lounge he put in all you know new booths and all this stuff and he had me come sing um for the grand reopening of the satire and so I get up there and I'm you know just thinking rocking all these tunes and I'm thinking okay we got to get Pete up here to sing one with me and I'm just thinking okay what what should Pete sing right. And in the Elvis catalog. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my way. Okay. So we get Pete up there. All the employees, everyone that's worked for him is there. And they're all gathered around. And they're just losing their minds, you know. And so I, I set him up, give him the verse, you know. And now the end is near, whatever. And then we get to the big course. And he goes, I did it my way. <laughs> And, the, dude, I've never seen a group of people go so insane in my life. I mean, it was just <laughs> rabid fans. And, uh, and and that was the point when you realize, you know, like, yeah, like, Pete's the king of Con. He's the king of Colfax. How many businesses did he own? Um, I think, well, I can think of six. I don't know how many are, I, um, I mean, because what, he's got the university uh, he's got the, the central one over on Alameda. He's got, he had Greek town, but that's closed now. And then he had the, what, what was the one, the one across the street there? There was like three of them. He's got a bunch. Colfax. And Pete's University Cafe. Right, the University uh, yeah, Cafe. Yeah, that was delicious. I went there and then I went to uh, Pete's Kitchen with you. Yeah. 
And then, what a great and then spot. The Can I post that picture of you and me? Oh, sure. And Pete Contos with his big mural. Yeah, but I, I just, I love Pete. And, and you know what was amazing is even in the downturns in the economy or even in coronavirus, even in the other stuff, I mean, he was still just doing a bang-up business down there. I mean, he just knows, well, some of the best restaurateurs I know are, are the, the Greek-owned Oh, absolutely. Restaurants. Yes. I mean, they, they just really know know how to get the job done. And like Zorba's over on 12th, uh, that was actually my brother's wife's parents ran Zorba's for a long now time. Now we're not going to get that far away from But that's Colfax. off Colfax. Yeah, yes. let's, let's stick right, to the point. Yeah, we have to, to stick to the facts. But, but Pete's Kitchen, man, I mean, I, I literally, yeah, 25 years. I don't think I've had a bad meal I mean, I moved to Colorado in 89, right? I don't think I've had a bad meal there ever. And maybe part of it is because, you know, they have the kitchen set up so you can watch the cooks. I mean, they're, you know, everyone's keeping them honest. You know, if the chef's right. over there spitting in the food, you know, you're going to see it. You're going to yes. be like, hey. Well, we wouldn't have seen <laughs> it from where we were. Well, yeah, but yeah. we were, yeah, we were, maybe they did. I don't know. And but, what's your go-to order there? Oh, the breakfast burrito supreme. All right. I, I mean, I. I come in there and the and the waitress is already making out the ticket. Like you're here for your burrito, and it doesn't matter if it's four in the morning. And now the peach said you are the king of Colfax. I don't know. I I maybe I don't know. Maybe the uh, you know Pete was my expert on the, that case. Uh, Apple Tree Shanty was one of my plaintiffs, and yeah. he was an expert on how you can't survive as a business if the crime gets too bad in front of your place. Yeah. Well, and then see that's another. Um, I mean, because so much of the independent, family-owned, small businesses were on Colfax. And that's where I always wanted to champion them, you know, more than anybody. Just just like, just because those rents were cheap. So part of the thing of it being kind of a funky, uh, gritty street is that it kept rent's pretty reasonable for a long time because it's like, well, you know, you are renting a place on Colfax, right? Right. And there's that level of risk. But some of the most innovative and just super cool small businesses were on Colfax. And man, I'll tell you, the just the pandemic and everything just leveled them. I mean, and, and so now I, I was always just sad. I didn't want to see Colfax turn into chain restaurants and chain stores and and i i just I, I i liked that spirit of the of small business so um but i i don't know it is it, there's a lot of that like gee why is there so much crime or whatever and and maybe it just it's just it's because it does go through so many towns and it's such a cruise and just kind of a drag that it just it you know attracts um you know just people out you know, or maybe when they're like, oh, hey, let's go get into trouble. Where know. do we go? Right. But it's, I've always said that about 50% of the crime in Denver happens within three blocks, one way or the other, of Colfax. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And so the street is semi dangerous. But yeah. at the same time, I've been there a lot, have so many good memories. And the courthouse is there. And we're yeah. talking about semi spots like Saturdays, Sid King's. Yeah. But some of the most holy places in the Rocky Mountains are right on Colfax, yeah. starting with the Basilica, right? The Pope yeah. stayed on Colfax. Yeah. The Pope spent the night on Colfax. It's amazing. And I think, uh, yeah, Bill Clinton came down for that, and that was what, World Youth Day, I think. 
Any other famous uh, places of worship on Colfax come to mind? Oh, man. I, I mean, mean, that one will, will take where, the where, cake. Wherever you stand is holy ground. Right. You know? And the mikvah, you um, might not know that it's 1,400 equipment. I think that's close yeah. enough. Yeah. That's the ritual bath for Jewish women. Yeah. That That's not far from Colfax. Yeah, Golden Hill, the cemetery out there. That's got a lot of heavies. Okay, the Pope. Is he Charles the most famous? Yeah, is the Pope the most famous person ever to be on Colfax? Elvis? Who else famous? Yeah, I mean, Elvis is just pretty much, I mean, who's more famous than Elvis, really? I mean, it's like Jesus, Elvis, Moses. Muhammad Ali. God, Muhammad Ali. Remember that time that Muhammad Ali fought the Lyle Al Zedo? The Lyle Al Zedo fight at Mile High? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, to Lyle's credit, he made it, he lasted all 10 rounds. Now, wait a second. Will we count Mile High as part of Colfax? Because it's right off it's the right Colfax. It's right there. It's right there. You can throw a rock from the viaduct and hit the hit Mile High. So I'm I'm saying that it's well, part of Well, you're the king of Colfax. The Colfax Museum, if somebody's listening, I have an artifact. We lived a block away from it. Does it have to be right on Colfax or what? Preferably, but, you know, yeah. I mean, if, you know, come on. If it's a legendary enough artifact. Gosh, they had a great sign at Tobin Drug. Yeah. Right at great, uh, yeah. at Quitman, where my uh, dad grew up. Well, and, and we'd walk down there, the old soda fountains. Yeah. It was, uh, that's one of my earliest memories. Well, and we, you know, uh, we had talked about, you know, when we were at Pete's, we were talking about Golda Meir, you know, growing she's up. She's pretty famous. Yeah, she's kind of famous. And she hung out on the packs. And she was a fax girl. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they moved her house uh, over to the Auraria campus. But, you know, that that used to be just off West Colfax. So it's, I, I think, you know, it's turned out. What of, about Bob ter- Dylan? He's pretty famous. Did he it, hang out on well, Colfax? Well, yes, he did. As a matter of fact, uh, I mean, there's some great stories about Dylan. Um, and much like myself, he read On the Road. And was really into Kerouac and saw that it was talking about Denver this and Denver that. And, you know, Kerouac called it Holy Denver, you know. And uh, Bob Dylan read it as a young man. And, of course, if you're a young aspiring beatnik, you know, you got to hitchhike somewhere and be on the road. So Dylan, I think, was 19 and, of course, grew up in uh, Minnesota and... uh, Got it in his mind that, you know, hey, what is this mythical land they call Denver? I think I'll hitchhike down there. And uh, showed up the the Satire Lounge, which I was talking about, which Pete wasn't running at that time, but he later bought it. Um, but Sam Sugarman was running it. it was, the place was called Shuggies. And, uh, Sam Sugarman, a legendary Jewish... Football star at DU. The legendary Jewish football star at DU, Sam Sugarman, started Shuggies. And then he was trying to figure out how to get more people in the club. And he was looking around at this folk scene that was taken off. Because, you know, Judy Collins, famous folk singer, was an East High graduate. So she was a Colfax girl. And he thought, you know, I'm going to capitalize on this folk scene. So... He changed the name to the Satire Lounge and got uh, what's uh, Walt Connolly, 
the the folk singer to come in and and host open mics there. And at that time too, the Smothers Brothers, if you can believe this, the the Smothers Brothers lived in the apartment above the satire. And they would host the open mic there with Walt Connolly. And uh, so one night, here comes this young, scraggly-looking kid off the road. And is like, hey, you know, I'm, can I get up and sing a few? Sporting a Jufro. Sporting his Jufro. And like, hey, man, I want to get up and, and, and sing a couple. And uh, they let him get up and sing. And apparently the Smothers Brothers just hated him. They, they were like, who does this, what, you call that a singing voice? Like, who does this kid think he is? Woody Guthrie, what is this? And uh, so he basically, Walt, Walt Connolly was, was saying, you know, hey, you know, kid, his job was kind of to get rid of him. Like, Bob wasn't getting the memo that they were kind of right. trying to be like, Get lost, kid. You bother me. Yeah. He, would, he just. What language are you singing? Right, right. He was right. right. He was just so excited to be there. So, um, interestingly enough, okay. So I started this thread on our on our website in the museum and and was telling this story how you know the legend went that he spent the night at Walt's place and uh, when he woke up the next morning his record collection was gone and that Bob stole his records. Walt Conley's record collection was gone. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so I put this on my website, said, Hey, you know, Bob Dylan made off with Walt's records when he stayed at his house and whatever. So everybody's getting just, you know, people like no way, fake news, can't believe it. And they're all pissed at me because they think I'm just like making up stuff. Right. and it it got so it it just got so out of hand. I mean, even like Bob Dylan's autobiographer was chiming in, and and people were writing him, going, "Hey, do you know anything about this Walt Conley story?" And blah blah blah. And he's like, "Oh well." I mean, it got just short of Bob himself chipping into this thing. Okay, so I took a lot of lot of grief for this. People were just, you know, "Oh man, you're so full of whatever." So I fast forward when I get the museum open, right? This busload of kind of seniors pulls up to tour the museum. And whenever a group like that would tour, I would always at the end say, okay, anybody here got a Colfax story they want to share, right? And this guy in the back raises his hand. I do, I do. I'm like, okay, yeah, same was Bob. Okay, you got this, you got the floor. What have you got? Well, back in the 60s, you know, I was Walt Conley's roommate and a very young Bob Dylan slept on our couch. And man, when we woke up the next morning, he was gone and so was Walt's record collection. And I was like, bingo. So I filmed him saying the story and put it on that thread and just like shut everybody down. It was perfect. Oh my God. Yeah, he was there. I can see why this was big news. You know why? Because it was a record theft. Yeah. And But do you take that as proof beyond reasonable doubt? Bob could have been set up. If it was on Colfax, an intruder yeah. could have come in. It's well, like Jean Benet. Here's the thing, though, is that Walt had a whole bunch of really hard-to-get old blues records that Bob very seriously coveted. 
So oh, motive, I, I, motive, opportunity. There's motive and there's opportunity and there's also just, you know, he was, we know he was there. But I, I personally, I'm if not. If you found one of those records saying Rochester, Minnesota, yeah, right, yeah. something like that. I'm not going to. I'm depending, Bob. I'm not going to say either way. I'm not going to, you know, lay down my verdict either way. But there's there's one other. You know, I, I have a lead for you, seriously. Is Walt Conley alive? No. Okay, but Bill Buckley is. And Bill Buckley was the chief deputy DA in Denver. And just like you, just like so many people, he loves to sing. And he sings oh. folk songs. And I think, didn't Walt Conley open up another place? He did. And Bill would sing there. And Down Bill, on Broadway, Bill knew Walt Conley. So there's a lead. Well, let's get him on, let's get him on the phone. I, I, well, we'll get him. Let's I'll, get him I'll on the phone. I'll talk to him. Uh, he, he's been a guest on my show. He's been at Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Yeah. What about lawyers? Are any famous well, lawyers on Copex? Well, there was one, one more, yeah, one more short going, Bob Dylan. One more short Bob Dylan. You don't have to be short. I, I like to hear well, no, about just Bobby the, Zimmerman. There was one more Bob. When he was in Denver, was he Zimmerman or Dylan at that point? Um, he would have been. Yeah, he was Dylan at that point. Okay. And uh, there was one more at the old Motel Deville on West Colfax. Uh, Bob hold up in one of the rooms there with Robbie Robertson from the band and they recorded a bootleg album in the Motel DeVille and it's out I haven't been able to find it anywhere on eBay or anywhere but apparently there are vinyl copies of this record that Bob made actually recorded in a motel on West Colfax so if you looked at YouTube it might be there I have a recording of it. I have a bootleg just, you know, recording, you but I want to find like the vinyl. I want to get the actual artifact in my hands because, you know, the, there's so much music. Obviously, just anybody that's anybody has played Colf. I mean, you know, Hendrix played at Mammoth Garden. He played at Mile High. What about Johnny Cash? Um, great story. Great story about Johnny Cash. I, I tell you, people call me and they say, "Hey, I've got stuff for your museum." And there was this, there was this uh, Ed, Ed. God, what was his name? Anyway, we'll just call him Ed. But he used to live by the Zanzibar, which was the big country western bar out in on East Colfax. Yeah, in Aurora. Right. And you know, it was like Nashville West out there back in the day. All the big country stars played there. Well, he made a point of getting, he has a little autograph book, and he got everybody's autograph that ever played at the Zanzibar or the Four Seasons was another huge country western bar that claimed they had the biggest dance floor, if not in the country, like in the world or something, you know, some bold claim. Right. But... um. He would get, you know, it was at the Four Seasons where it happened, but but Johnny Cash, he said he went to see Johnny Cash, and it was the night that Buddy Holly's airplane crashed and killed Buddy Holly mm. and the Big Bopper and, you know, everybody. And The night the music died. It was the night the music died, and Johnny Cash was on stage and got the news that Buddy Holly had died in a plane crash, and he got off stage and apparently just started pounding the booze. On Colfax. On Colfax, and he, he walked, stumbled out of the Four Seasons and fell in the ditch. 
And and Ed went out and was just like, you know, Mr. Cash, whatever, you know, are you okay? And went, oh yeah, fine, whatever. And then he signed, you know, he signed this oh my God. this thing for him. And and then he gave it to me for the museum. So I have no. this like Johnny Cash signed on Colfax picture. So wasn't there a Sam Taylor's club out there? Wasn't country? Um, was, Taylor's I mean, was West Taylor's Colfax. Or Taylor's Supper Club, right? That was West Colfax. West Colfax. Yeah. That's the, the Lakewood Endoscopy okay. Center now. But like, yeah, all kinds of people played at Taylor's too. They, I mean, Al Fike was a, the, the modern minstrel, Al Fike. I mean, he was a big star in Hollywood. And I mean, he, he was, uh, Frank Sinatra Jr. was a regular out there. Right. All kinds of people. The Remember the the group in the in the seventies? There were a bunch of a bunch of cops that started that band called the Lawmen. Yeah, do you remember the yeah, Lawmen? Of course, yeah. and it was I think Bo Cottrell, yeah. who's been a friend through the years. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. So the Lawmen were regulars, and uh, and um, yeah, I mean uh, Kevin Smith. You know, he's a descendant of of you know some of the the. Taylor's boys. He's Who's Kevin Smith. Kevin's still playing around town. He's he's an amazing drummer. He still plays at Dazzle and a bunch of jazz clubs, and he's he he brought over just like a box of, of Taylor's. And the music goes on. The Fillmore. Yeah. And you and you brought. I went to the History Colorado. I had no idea the history of the Fillmore. Tell everybody. Well, it 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 started as a as a roller skating rink. That's why it's got that, you know, when they started doing roller derby again at the Fillmore, it was perfect because that floor was originally laid as It was a, like the as, Audubon. Right. It was a roller skating Audubon. And then the, the roller rink only lasted a few years and uh, it was turned into a the Fritchley electric car company. And so right now, by my exhibit in History Colorado, just right around the corner, They've got one of the battery-powered Fritchley autos there in the little charging station. 1905, and some yeah. dude drove it how far? An electric car. One charge went from Denver to Lincoln, Nebraska in 1911. That's like, I mean, so when people are like, oh, electric cars don't work or whatever. No, they've been around a long time. It is so cool to see. It's got one headlight. Yeah. This has been so cool to talk about Colfax. Now- yeah. Is Colfax on the rise or on the decline, or you never can tell about Colfax? Well, it's it's um, it's kind of stalled a little bit just because of coronavirus, but they have got a lot of things on the docket for Colfax. Probably the biggest is they want to get this BRT, you know, the bus rapid transit uh, put down Colfax, which would mean dedicated bus lanes so there's a little bit of controversy in it um i mean like part of the problem with with any changes you make to colfax is it's still a state highway and it's a city municipal roadway so you have to go through cdot to make these changes so um i guess the the closest um i don't see it correlation would be would be uh albuquerque just did the art which is the albuquerque rapid transit down there right but that and, 15 uh, bus what a disaster you know buses are free in august and 
Yet that Washington Post story about the 15 that bus brutal. line, that that's as bad a crime story as I've ever read about Denver. It was scathing. Well, I mean, I, you know, we always called the 15 bus, you know, the Vomit Comet or the Bipolar Express, or, you know, it's got all <laughs> kinds of, it's got all kinds of names for it. And I definitely, you know, my heart goes out to anyone who has to actually drive that bus and put up with, with all that. But I mean, that's kind of the thing. Okay. Cause first of all, and, and, you know, anyone, you know, contact me through the website if I got any of my facts wrong. But from my understanding, you know, CDOT was saying that the street's not even wide enough to implement the BRT plan that they want to do. Then they also want to have it. So it's central, the center lane is where you load the buses off of platforms and stuff. And I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, but it snows here. And what happens when those platforms right. get icy? And I think Minneapolis might have something like that. We already have the the problem with Colfax Frogger. No. I mean, anytime someone wants to cross Colfax, it's like playing Frogger. You know, you just, you don't know if you're going right. to make it. And there's... There's a lot of times, like, even people out there that are, like, intentionally walking into your car so they can maybe get a lawsuit going. They're trying to draw the foul, you know. You're like, wait a minute. And and it's no, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, it's not where I want to be critical. It's just more of an observation. It's just like, you know, most, well, okay, let's just say this way. When I had the museum, when I first started in the little flower shop when you first came in, there was this like 85 year old woman that was so cute and I loved her. And she had been riding the 15 bus to work for like 40 years. And I, I wish I could track her down now and like be like, will you please write a book? Because it would be insane. But she used to come in. She probably just kept her head down. Yeah. Well, she used to come in like every day. And just tell me, like, what she saw oh, on the, what, you know, she here's what I saw on the 15 Ooh. today. Ooh. And it was, it was, yeah, like, <laughs> just all over the place. Like, wow. And so. I'm thinking about it this month where nobody has to pay either. Right. And then, and so that's, yeah, I mean, you know, ridership is up and that, and but it, it, you know, it attracts it attracts crazy. And, and, you know, so to say, let's dump, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into fixing up a, you know, this bus system when the bus system we have has obvious, you know, security issues and other issues. I mean, if the people driving the bus don't feel safe, like how do the riders feel kind of thing? And so, I mean, my, my take, Craig, I've always been a fan of the streetcars. I'm just like, man, you know, bring back the trolleys, make Colfax sexy again. Right, like you make a long hair sexy again. And you brought up the word crazy. What about people who say, Johnny Barber, you're brilliant, you're talented. What is this crazy obsession with Colfax? Yeah. Well, I here's the thing. If someone else would have started a Colfax museum, I'd go to their museum and this would have been a lot simpler. It would just would have, hey, I'll come see your stuff. But like, you know, when I fell in love with Colfax, I mean, I was in my 20s and I was a musician and I was going out and hitting the scene all the time and going to shows and and it was fun and it was exciting and it was like great music and 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 it was cheap 
I mean, you know, it was the place in Denver that when you're a musician, you could afford, you could go down to Taki's Golden Bowl and get a bowl of udon for three, four bucks that would feed you, you know, half the day, all these diners. That's where your kid got the Japanese, right? Yeah, see, probably from Taki. He was the best. But, you know, it it just, it, it, I don't know. It was something, it was exciting. And it was just like, wow, you know. But then overdoing this museum, like when I discovered these things we talked about with Skylar Colfax and this other stuff, and you realize there's this legitimate history. There's this like really, uh, uh, you know, because I love America. I'm all about it. I, I, I love the Constitution. I'm a big fan. I hope someday we can have America uh, exist as you know as they envisioned it. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan, and uh, and and the more but it's I like, about, it's, it's you like you think the more you scratch, the more you might find some secret to America or how to get along. Or are you looking for some truth? Oh, there's there's all kind. Of, yeah, I found definitely found some truth. I mean, I feel like if however people feel about Colfax is kind of how they feel about humanity, because it you've got the corridors of power, you've got the the top and then you have the richest of the rich people lived on Colfax at one time and then you have some of the most just you know turn turn your eyes away like I can't believe this is happening kind of stuff and then you have uh you know but I I don't know I've just always embraced it all you know and and that's where our museum has has always worked to be from the get-go totally inclusive you know what I mean just doesn't matter if it, you're how you identify, uh, you know, gay, straight, wh- whatever, whatever nationality, whatever, you know, wh- wherever you're coming from, no matter what your religion, your creed, your lack of religion, you're just, you know, you're a, a politician. I mean, you know, because let's be fair, you know, I've I've heard some swanky stories from some of the politicians, you know, some of the stuff they were doing in the dome of the state capitol or something. That On Colpex. Yeah, that would, you know, that would make you cringe as much as the guys in the dumpster, you know, it, it, but, you know, they can afford it. So it's, it's not, it's, it's not as, uh, So what cross street is the key Colfax intersection for you? Lion's Lair, Satire, someplace else? Because I have one in mind for me. You want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, you go first. Is this for me? Correct? Yes. I'm yeah. Gonna, okay. It's uh, you talked this long. You finally earned a Gatorade. Thank you, sir. This could still be cold. I hey, it's my, still cold. My first workplace, June 1, 1980. I walk into the West Side Court Building, 924 West Colfax. I'd interviewed for a job with Dale Tooley, Brooke Wanneke, and they hired me right there on Colfax. The Burger King was right across the street, but then. The city and county building was down Colfax, and along the way, there was Copperfields, which was a great bar where cops and DAs and public defenders used to hang out. And my goodness, the parties that would happen there, and (laughs) sometimes we'd stop along. It was just a great place. And then right there also at Colfax and the Laddie, the Rocky Mountain News was there for quite a while. And I remember the day that they named Colfax, they named the laddie at Colfax Gene Amol way after oh, the famous uh, comments. yes. And I was 
at that yeah. ceremony because it was in the neighborhood. I think our office had moved to 303 West Colfax. That's where I spent the glory days of my career, the old Marina Hotel. So it's that stretch of Colfax, and they were dedicating it to Gene Amol, who was not a big proponent of of uh, incarcerating people. Yeah. And then they ended up tearing down the Rocky Mountain News and building a jail right there on yeah. Gene Amol Way, and I thought, wow. Talk about change on Colfax. So that little area between uh, Colfax and Santa Fe, Colfax and Kalamath, down to Colfax and Broadway, yeah. That's my little stretch of Colfax, yeah. my work hood for a long time. Yeah. That's, what about you? Where's your stretch of Colfax? That, well, yeah. I mean, um, well, the neighborhood that I spent the most time in was, you know, blue, over by the Bluebird, really. Bluebird District, Lion's Lair. Uh, I mean, and, and once again, being a musician, you know, I always argue that you you could launch a whole music career on one street, really. I mean, you play your first gig at the Lion's Lair, you start selling it out, get big enough to play the Bluebird, pack that out, go down to the Ogden, pack that, you know, then go to the Fillmore, and then, you know, you end playing Mile High Stadium. I mean, you could really, like, go You from, are the king of Colpax, you know but what let's I mean? go back to the Bluebird, because that's a place that I went as a kid. They had legitimate movies, yeah. then it became X-rated, but I think of that place, and I'm thinking about October 8th, because I'm going mm. with Judith Berg, Allenberg's widow, oh, wow, yeah. to his induction into the Denver Press Club Hall of Fame. And that happened at the Bluebird? He ate at uh, the Greek restaurants right near there, but he lived on Adams Street, yeah, 1400 block, which dead ends into the Bluebird Theater. So the killers were right there oh, man. in the shadow of the neon sign of your Bluebird Theater oh, when wow. they gunned down Allenberg, June 18, 1984. Do you know, someone, someone who lived in that neighborhood came into the museum and was like, I got to take you on a field trip, get in the car. And we drove by Alan's old place. Mm -hmm. And the original garage is still on the house. And there's still bullet holes right. in that garage. I know. Yeah. It's wild. I drive down that street too much. And that's near where my mom grew up, that yeah. area. So, yeah, that's an impactful area. The Bluebird, it, it had to be cool to play that well, Theater. the Bluebird is, I I always joke, if, if I could put wheels on that thing and drive it around the country and just tour in that theater, I would do it. Because in terms of, and I feel like, I guess it's it's the same way of being a fan watching a show because it, it's it's small enough to be really intimate with, with the artist you're seeing, but it's also big enough that you can get kind of some bigger artists in there. But that's my favorite stage i've in in denver that i played i mean well i have to say i played red rocks a couple of times but that's in morrison so it doesn't count for well denver. how cool is that too but, is that on colfax that's alameda more well if you, you can't get red rocks on colfax can you well no not really but i mean if you take highway 40 and you just keep instead of turning right up to mount vernon and you just keep going straight you'll hit red rocks of course so it's not technically on there, but you can you can get there certainly by the facts and and um, I mean I remember 
you know, well, God, Jack White, you know, before he, I went to see him up at Red Rocks and, and he put on an impromptu show at a gas station on West Colfax and was this Hispanic owner of this little gas station and he didn't even know who Jack White was. And they just said, hey, do you care if we set up here and do an impromptu show? And he's like, sure, sounds fun. And and they announced it on Twitter, just like, you know, Jack White will be at this gas station in an hour or something. And this crowd showed up and he put on a killer show out there. So, I mean, you know, it, that's part of the thing that, you know, when I've been talking to people, you know, in the city and city government and other people, you know, that our boosters for Colfax and everything, you know, there's some myopic in their view of just how does this serve the neighborhood or the immediate thing around it that they, they kind of overlook that Colfax really is known. I mean, it's like the sunset strip or times square or Beale street, or, I mean, it, it's like, and you know what you are? You're like Hamilton. That's a compliment. Oh, cause you'll never be satisfied. I looked around yeah. I saw you in the back of that flower shop, and it was pretty cool, but you were, you know, it wasn't a luxury spot, and yeah. then I followed your travels. I've seen a couple of them. I don't think I got out to that one spot, and you got flooded, and yeah. it was one problem after another, and yeah. you were pretty down on your dauber. Oh, big time. And then I see this History Colorado display, yeah. and I'm thinking... <laughs> You made it, man. Yeah, yeah. You did it, but you are like Alexander Hamilton. You will never be satisfied. What is your vision for Colfax? You've only got 25% on display. Give us your big dream and how it could make money for this area. Well, the big dream. Um, okay, I was recently uh, on a road trip last month up to Washington State, and I stopped into the Dalles, Oregon, which is a beautiful town on the Columbia River Gorge, and uh, saw, met this, um, this guy who the city gave, gave him an old Elks Lodge that was like, I mean, it was, looked like a, a building you'd see in D.C., like near the Jefferson Memorial or something. Just this beautiful old Elks Lodge just with the columns and, and a big ballroom in it. And it was just this beautiful building. It was sitting all dilapidated. And the city was like, how can we turn this around? And this guy who had been collecting classic neon and old stuff for 40 years, you know, came and looked at the building and, hey, you know, okay, if you guys hook me up with this building, I'll turn it into a, a you know, and he, he called it the National Neon Sign Museum. And, um, I go in this place and you go upstairs into the ballroom and he made the ballroom into a like 1940s downtown. It has like storefront windows right. and a barber shop and a beauty shop and a butcher shop and all this. And he's got, you know, the old porcelain neon beautiful signs above it and everything. And then you can rent the place for events and they can do concerts in there and there's a stage and it's just like this beautiful town, you know? And I, I just was thinking, oh, oh, yes. Like if I could somehow create in a room like a, a classic old Colfax in its prime. But how do you make money? Well, see, 
rent it out for events? That's the thing is he he rents it for well the okay a you know the guy who started it has been collecting neon for so long that he happened to buy a few signs that are now worth millions. So I mean he made his mm-hmm. money. Um, I mean he actually you know went to France and I mean he got some of the very first neon nice. tubes ever made in this museum and stuff, you know? So it, it, it was just, the place was How blowing my mind. How much did you mind. pay to go in? I think, it was, I think it was only like 10 bucks a head or uh-huh. something. No, and, that's cool. And my son was with me. And so, you know, they get, they get some grant money. And uh, I mean, like I said, the city gave him the building for a dollar. So it's just a, you know, token. So who should give you a building? Lease. Denver, Aurora, Lakewood? Where would you... Wouldn't you like to be right in the heart of Denver on Colfax? Heart of Denver. Dude, heart of Denver. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, you know, nothing against Lakewood or Aurora or anything, but when, when we're talking about most of the key Colfax, you know, when you're talking about the Sid Kings and the Pete Contos and Eddie Bone and, you know, these kind of people, I mean, that's Denver, you know? Right. And I live in Denver and, you know, had my kids here and I grew up on Colfax. I mean, so that's certainly the neighborhood that that I'm uh, most affiliated with. But I, I also feel from a just a logistical standpoint, it's more centrally located. Like, I mean, if, if the museum is in Aurora way out east, then if you're in Lakewood, right? I mean, you've right. got to make a trek. Yeah. And, and and a lot of people wouldn't go, or when even when I opened my place in Lakewood, you know, I didn't get a lot of visitors from Aurora when I was way out in Lakewood. You'd get more Lakewood people. Right. So yeah, heart of Denver. Um, and uh, yeah, I just the way they set up these signs and everything. What about a little ride oh. where you go through different highlights? Like oh. you'd go through the Basilica at one moment, Sid oh. King the next. Yeah. You know, it'd be quite a contrast. Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. I mean, I there's there's definitely a lot of of, of ideas in that in that regard. But I, I guess if I can't pull off a physical location, I would at least like to build something virtually, that where you could you could kind of time travel Colfax. You and, will do it. You're a young man. You've got yeah. a dream. And I I think I could I think I could pull it off. I mean, it is it is a lot of it. You know, it's it is funding and it is how do you staff it and how do you pay for it and everything and and when I, I, I met I, you, you were staffing it yourself. You were selling yeah. the T-shirts. Now there are people doing it at the museum, and people can go buy some Colfax yeah. T-shirts. Yeah, I mean, you've hit the big time, but you are not satisfied. Well, are you because, Hamilton or Jefferson? You're Hamilton, aren't you? Well, I don't know. Maybe Hamilton in my go-getter and Jefferson in my philosophy. I don't know. But I, 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 I the thing I did really loved about History Colorado definitely was, was like I would mentioned at, at the beginning of this, is just great staff and they just having that help. And then and I'm also somebody that likes to create and I like to curate and I like to discover stuff, but like sitting at the desk and like watching it day in, day out, that's not really my, that's not where I am at my best. You want to be at the end of the tour answering Colfax trivia questions. So let's raise our Gatorade. Yeah. And let's do a toast to Skylar Colfax. Yeah. Tell me this. Did Cheers he have any Skylar. kids? What about family? Any Colfax can ever come up to you and say, hey, 
That's my family. Um, um, I actually there was there was one that I, I don't know if they ever could validate it, but they said they were in the family. But I I have met quite a few families who came to the museum who had named their like newborn son Skyler or Colfax or something <laughs> like that, and they'd be like, "Hey, this is baby Colfax," and I'd be like, "Yeah, awesome, bring him in," you know, and um. And, and you know, there were people from, even when I had this small museum going, there were people dropping in from Spain and South America and, you know, Africa. And, I mean, there were people coming in like, oh, we heard about your coal. And I'm like, how do you know about Colfax? Like, you know, and, I mean, part of it was, was um, you know, DIA, uh, you know, the airport had hired me to curate some stuff out on the concourse a out there on the walking bridge. And so that helped a lot. Cause a lot of international travelers would come in and be like, Oh, wow. I never saw that. What oh, did yeah. you put up? I know that Indian chanting area when you take, yeah. when you walk instead of taking the, the train. Yeah. It's, it's, it was on the, if you know, the, the a concourse, a bridge is that glass bridge that like walks over and right. they've got cases on either side. And, um, is it still there? No, that was that lasted about a year, year and a half, and uh, and thank God because when the floods, we had two floods out at the West Colfax location, and if we wouldn't have had our stuff out at the airport, like all that stuff would have been in the flood. So I got the airport to thank for for keeping keeping that stuff safe, but um. I don't know. I, that, that's a big thing. You know, this is, is it. Is how do you fund it? How do I keep it open? How do we staff it? And working with History Colorado, just where they've already got that built in. They got the security. They got the gate people. They got the people, you know, that clean it up. They do whatever. And I just get to walk in and, hey, Craig, look at my stuff. And then we can you go. You are have, a big shot. And then we can go have lunch. Here comes the general. Well, I, you know what? I didn't expect that. Like when we went to the front desk and it was like, yes. hey, yeah, you know, Colfax Museum, Johnny Barber, right. I'm here. And they were all, oh, wow, hey, you know. And I, I'm like, wait, have we met? And one of the guys was wearing a Colfax Museum t-shirt. That was cool. But um, th that's the thing, too, is, I mean, I got to say that shout out to just everybody that has lifted. I mean, because I mentioned, you know, all these people that have come forward. Okay, and, you're not Hattie McDaniel winning an ox. An Oscar, for God's sakes. But, right. but, but I'm just You're saying. You're going to be back. If you come back one, I'm going to get you a pillow for your chair because that yeah. chair could be more comfortable. But I yeah, try to keep you on your toes. Thing. And you've made it without a bathroom break or anything like that. What would be on the agenda that you think we could talk about? Religion, politics, oh, parenting, any, anything. anything. You've got a lot of opinions. But anything. You, your wheelhouse is Colfax. Yeah. Music. Well, and and but I mean the thing is, is like you know if you if you study Colfax enough, you learn something about everything because I mean, there's so many immigrants. Like on East Colfax is one of the most, uh, uh, you know, densely uh, uh, immigrant packed communities outside of Brooklyn. I think it's like the second right. most diverse in the country, and and you ask. You know the 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 principal of the junior high out there, and, and you know I was talking to her about you know their school, and she said they speak 
50, 60 languages in that middle school. I'm like, what? I mean, what do you get? A UN machine translator to like teach class? And, and she's like, no, we just throw a soccer ball out. Everybody knows what to do. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 it really is. There's, there's just, a, I feel like if I can educate people what I know and what I've learned about Colfax, hopefully that'll rub off and they'll love it too. And that will help fix some of these other problems with the crime and with these other things. Like if people, you know, really have more of a pride about it or something, but like I was saying that, you know, it is, it, this hasn't just been me in this effort. This has really been, there's been a lot of people in the community and I'm not alone. And there's a ton of people that love Colfax and there's a ton of people that have come in and shown, have shown me support and, and really appreciate what I do and have donated amazing things and time and everything. I think that the impasse we're at is getting the city and the municipal powers that be or the state or like, hey, Polis, you know, there's this guy trying to start this Colfax Museum. Well, there's going to be a new mayor of Denver. You know? Maybe but we got that's a, yeah, a good idea. Maybe. And, well, and, you know, I got to say that, um, you know, when you're in a town that's really development crazy, too, you don't. You know, you don't want some guy saying, hey, that building you're about to tear down is very historically significant either. You know, I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not anti-development or anti-growth or anything. I, I, I'm not unrealistic that, you know, a city needs to serve the people that live there and it needs to work as it grows. And I get that, but, and ultimately like these neon signs and this other stuff, Craig, I mean, I'd rather see them stay in place up on the street where people can see them than be in a museum. Like the museum would be my second choice, you know? Got it. I'd rather where you could actually, I mean, like even say the neon boneyard in Las Vegas, you know, they, they installed some of their neon signs out on the street, Here's driving down the you street. You know where would be a good spot? Where's that? That Avondale Center. Oh. Near that Corky Gonzalez Library, across oh. from Colfax Elementary, where my grandma Goldie yeah. went to elementary school. Yeah. I mean, it's got the high ground, too. Yeah, that would be cool. And you could like, I mean, it, anyway, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about what you've had to say, because I love talking about Colorado and Colfax, yeah. and it's the same story. You are such a cool guy. I hope you enjoyed this. Well, thanks for having me, Craig. I I just I love talking to you about all this stuff and and it it is. It's it's this is was a great place to raise my kids and Denver, you know, Denver's been good. Do to your me. kids share your passion for Colfax? Oh, this is here's the here's the just the best. Okay, so cuz my my daughter was uh, born at Rose Medical Center and So was I. Yeah. So were my kids. Yeah. And then I brought and her middle name is Rose. So I brought her home from Rose to our place about a block off Colfax, and, you know, she grew up there, and, you know, for a while, it was like every time you'd go to the store or something, it was look both ways and over your shoulder and and whatever, but she grew up a Colfax girl, and then she was back from college not too long ago, and she went out, I guess this was actually pre-pandemic, so stuff was still pretty hopping, and she went down there with her friends, and she came back, and she looked all sad, you know, and I was like, hey, you know, what's wrong? She's like, oh, Dad, Colfax isn't scary anymore. Uh -huh. I miss it. So, you know, there is something to that illicit thrills, I guess, of, of 
but you know she she really loves it and and you know sometimes they were just you know dad gosh you're really eccentric or what do you do on i would think but but they get it like when i you know they when they were going to college this last visit came back and and they were like dad you know we just want you to know we think what you're doing is is really important wow and we and we think that it's it's you know I mean, because that was the thing, is that no one was really doing it. That's why I started doing it, is because I was looking around, watching all this stuff disappear. Well, aren't you kind of like him? I mean, Skylar Kopex could have been a bad guy. Well, I mean, you know, they might find some way to cancel him yet, you know? I mean, with the, his credit mobilier scandal with the railroad, or who knows, but... But I, for my money, I, I really look at, I think he's one of the statues that shouldn't be torn down. I think he's one of the good ones. And, and he, you know, the thing that's interesting too, he was, he was, uh, big, he was pen pals with Susan B. Anthony and these other women's suffragette, uh, no way. in the women's movement too. And he was saying, you know, they were saying, we need more rights for women, and we want to get women the vote and everything. And Schuyler said, as soon as we get this slavery issue resolved, we're going to go to work for the women. So he was a women women's rights uh, just proponent. Like, just like Sid King. Right. Well, <laughs> maybe not quite parallel there, but, you know, similar, similar, I guess. At least, no. at least Sid was giving him a job. <laughs> You like history, so do I. Yeah. I love talking to you. Thanks a lot for giving us a great podcast about Colfax and Johnny Barber. Yeah. How can people find you online? Yeah, it's it's colfaxavenue.org or colfaxavenuemuseum at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from anybody. And like I said, if there's anything I've said that is inaccurate or Don't could use apologize. a correction. Nobody's hey, going to cancel you. Well, what, no, about, I, what about your music? I just want to get it right. Where Craig? can we find your music? And can you sing us out for crying out loud? And have you written a song about Colfax? I did write a song about Colfax. Uh, I wrote a song about the Colfax bus called The Dirty 15. And uh, I read a story about you can you just just you know google that stuff it's on youtube the dirty 15 the dirty 15 can we play it on my oh, show you can play it on the show i give you permission thank you but i i i just i read this story about this girl she was maybe 15 or 16 and and had gotten uh you know sex trafficked into you know walking colfax and was involved in that whole world and she just was like, I, I don't want to do this, and I want to go to college. And you know, it's this big dream of going to college. And a family out on West Colfax found her and heard her story and, and like, helped her get her life together and everything. And she got off the street and went and got this degree, and she's doing great. And I just, I just thought that was a great story, so I wrote a song about it. What's the name of it again? The Dirty Fifteen. Ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> the Dirty Fifteen by Johnny Barber. Is it with your group? Yeah. What's yeah. the name of your group? Well, no. I mean, I actually know it was with it. It was just. It's, it's under just me. Just Johnny, under Johnny Barber. Barber. And when you spell Johnny, don't put an H in there. That's right. Leave the mystery H. That's that's my mom's doing. J O N. She'd be proud of you. She is proud of you, just like you're proud of her. I yeah. had a curiosity when she writes about the West. Is Colorado part of the West? 
Um, well, she grew up in Las Vegas, so she's she in in Utah, and so maybe not, maybe not. Her, Texas. I mean, her one of her direct descendants was like I think the first white settler of of the Moapa Valley, which is where you know. So she was right. Her family pretty much founded Las Vegas, and she grew up in Boulder City. Holy and cow! Her uncle Tommy. Did she know worked, Harry Reid? I don't know. Probably. Did she like the Dirty 15? Oh, yeah. She loved the Dirty 15. All right. Let's let everybody listen. Johnny, thanks a million. Thanks, The Craig. Dirty 15 by Johnny Barber, the king of Colpax. Oh, come on. Stop with that. The king. <laughs> we salute you. <laughs>
Now, during the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey? What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust, and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. And it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. What did you say? Sugar Plum Fairy. Why? That was what John Lennon would say when speaking into the microphone, testing the sibilance or sibilance, whatever it is. And you are John Lennon? No, but I like to conjure him up. I love John Lennon. Tell me more. I miss John Lennon. Well, I just listened to the White Album the other day. I was going up to record. You know, this, this last weekend, I'm working on a project. And on the way up to Boulder to record with my buddies, I, I thought, who better to listen to than the Beatles and the White Album? Anyway, I listened to John. I just will give a shout out to the Beatles fans. Um, because I know there's a bunch of you out there, so. All right. Yep. I like music. And I told you about a CNN show called Extraordinary with Fareed Zakaria, and that he was interviewing Billy Joel, and I'll never forget what you said. Who is Fareed Zakaria, right? Do you know him? Right. I, is that what I said? Yes. So I'll, say it, I'll say it again. <laughs> He's a guy from Pakistan, but he grew up a big Billy Joel fan yeah. in Pakistan. And Billy Joel was interviewed at his Florida mansion, and it was largely around the piano, and it was largely about how he composed his songs. And then we realized that he stopped. I did a whole show about it back on the radio when we culminated it with 
Our, you went with, with me, right? With with it was in uh, it was Mile High. It was at uh, Mile yeah. High Stadium, right? right? He was, was so prolific, but then he stopped writing because he felt he could never live up to it. But his inspiration was the Beatles. Wow! Because nice he's roughly your that. age, a Jewish guy like you, and he just thought they were the coolest dudes. But you needed to watch this. And I tried to pull it up, although last time I did, right before the show in the green room, I like to play things for our troubadour, David Gunders, because he is so busy with lookout renovations that he doesn't listen to more than a snippet of NPR in between business calls, okay? But last time I had him take a look at Jenna Ellis on the beat with Ari Melber, and he said she was cute, and then I went... Uh, to say, I don't know, maybe something, whatever, not that nice. And I apologize to my sister and anybody else who was offended. No, because it was wrong, because there are so many other reasons to criticize Jen Ellis. And frankly, you are right, Troubadour. She's presentable. I mean, she's pretty. I mean, she, whatever. It doesn't matter. You just shouldn't comment about a woman's looks. But she did about Rachel Maddow. And I feel protective of Rachel Maddow. You know who she is, right? Yes. And I think she's a fine-looking woman. And so, uh, but I agree with what you're saying. Right. So I apologize, because I'd rather be right. Have you ever thought about an expression like that? I'd rather be right. I think it could be catchy in a song. Really? Tell me more. Well, I would put it to maybe like reggae. And that's the other thing you missed with Billy Joel. It was one of his songs... It was reggae, and it was uh, Which one? always a woman. It oh. was one you would not expect. He played it like he was on a cruise ship, like oh. your song here. Is that reggae, the style? Actually, you know, I think that style might be a little more... Um, Island? A little more African in the style. Like, um, they call it high life. Um, it's more of it's more of a, like a West African feel, I think. But uh, it's probably not pure, but that could be what it is. Anyway, this recording is special. You know why? What is special about this recording? Where I, for God's sakes, we're up to episode one eleven. What is different about this night? What is different about one eleven? Yeah, what is different about our recording session right now? It's early, Craig. It's early. Early in the week. Early in the week because I have to go because I'm leaving tomorrow. So but late having... at night. And it is late at like night. Like outside, yes. it's pitch black. It is. <laughs> I don't need to look. It's late, yes. We're squeezing it in because I'm on an airplane early tomorrow morning. All right. Now, if I would have a song, I'm not a musician, I'd like to write a song, but that concept, I'd rather be right. If I had that concept, I'd probably have something in there about the night and how it's dark. Do you have anything like that in there? Do you remember? I do, yeah. Something about the yeah, night. Yeah, so there's a perfect... We've but, never recorded this late at night. You're yeah. off for your swell August soiree mm-hmm. back in... In Maine with the family. Mm-hmm. I we're going to be, be staying on a lake. Mm-hmm. I had such great experience with my old professor, Al Schuler, who did it from his home in Maine. So we may do that next week, but it's good to see you in person because I have a lot to talk about, especially this song. I'm thinking about the Republicans who stick more and more with Donald Trump no matter what happens. Over 300 confidential documents, Mar-a-Lago, doesn't matter to them. 
What's going on, Troubadour? You're smart. It's been going on, and I can't understand it. You Come know. on. No, I, I mean, it, it's no different than, than uh, so many of the other, you know, so, um, you know audacious things that, uh, that Trump has said or done, right? I mean, early on with the whole, with the whole uh, what was that, the Hollywood tapes or whatever that was called. Right. You know, early on, the people thought Billy normally Bush. that would have been the end of someone's career. But well, you know, that, that wasn't even the worst part because they said when, when you're rich and famous, they let you grab them by the pussy. Okay, and I'm not talking about any woman, my sister. I'm just quoting, all right? But everybody said, well, he's confessing to rape. But he was saying, no, they let you. I guess just like they let you take confidential documents if you're rich and famous. But the worst part is before he made that statement to Billy Bush, he was on an open mic talking about going after a married hostess. Was it? I don't even want to say the name because... Um, I just don't. I think, well, I know. Wasn't it Mary Hart? I think it was. Anyway, he was attracted to her, and he said, I came on to her like a bitch. (laughs) And he was trying to screw a married woman. I mean, what kind of slob would do that? Anyway, well, we know the answer to that. Yes, we do. But getting getting back to your point, getting back to your point that his followers are his followers, Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what, gives rise to what we call, we've called the cult. You know, it's what, it's part of being a cult is that your leader is right no matter what, right? And if I were a songwriter, I would write a song called Rather Be Right that was anti-cult. Would that be a good song? Well, it might be. What if I could get two beautiful backup singers? Helps. My daughter's. Yes. Rachel and Sarah sang oh on this gosh. one. They did a great job. It's not only an anti-cult song, it's anti-bullshit, right? I'm not going to go along with this bullshit. Maybe right. everybody else is. And and when they say, well, are you going to fight? What are you going to do? And, and your answer is, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to fight about the truth. Yeah. We're not going to just give in to the cult. I don't know. It's it, You'd rather be true to yourself. Is that true or just a line in a song? That's true. Holy you, cow, you're idealistic. I'm, I'm difficult to live with. Have Ask you, my wife. Have you ever thought about, I mean, the other day you had that song where you're turning to the left, right? I turn to the left. Right. See, I said left, right. But if you had a bid, okay, it's up for bid. You get to be on the left or on the right. I mean... Well, holy cow, doesn't right mean correct? You know, isn't that kind of an advantage? And so I'd say, we'll take right. And does that make sense? Not really. I think you're meandering, but no, it's No, I'm, I'm, I'm just late. saying, like, if you're choosing between the Republican and the Democratic Party, why don't you choose Democratic because it reminds you of democracy? Well, uh, you mean just because of the association? Just because about of the association, like of the, the right word. being right, right, or Democratic Party being Democrat, right? But so the, the right, when but, you say I'd rather be right, that's not the political right. No, it's not. But they it's have that, that name. Assuredly not. I I see that this could be adopted as their anthem. I'd rather be right. And what about the colors? Who's who's got the the uh, the the uh, advantage on the color red versus blue? 
It's sad that it's blue. just red versus blue. Blue. And why so blue? Because blue is the color against slavery. The blue and the gray, right? But, but blue is sad, too. Blue you're is feeling, you're feeling, you're feeling it's blue. It's royalty, royal blue. Now you're drifting at night. You accuse <laughs> me of that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying, if you, the words that are associated with things... May like, have an impact, subconsciously. Like, like, just like blue it has a double meaning. I hadn't thought about that mm-hmm. very much. It's cool. Your song is all right. It's almost like Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right. And then you have your daughter sing all night a couple times. All right, all night. As that just means we're gonna I'm gonna tell the truth all night. Nothing. If you it can't take, be if sexual if with your daughter's. No, no, life. no. If it takes all night, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna resolve it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a tremendous talk before you depart to see your uh family on the East Coast. My father, who's who's uh ninety-eight and um doing doing Pretty well after recently got it, getting COVID and worrying everybody, uh, but he's he's climbing out of it, which is which is great. So we're going to stay with him for a few days and then head on over onto Maine and relax for about six days uh, on this beautiful lake. Right, but how many times are you going to test yourself to swim across that ocean? Because I got in the water the other day at my club and it was really cold, and I thought, God, that's kind of like Maine, but. I swam it when I visited you there, but are you going to do that every day? Do you ever get scared? I'm going to get into that lake every day. Well, if we go to the coast, I'll 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 jump in. Um, the lake is perf- is perfect swimming temperature. It's clear and beautiful. I'll swim every day, even if it's raining. And will you have lobster for me at Bailey Island? Well, I'd love to go to Bailey. We'll see if we if we uh, if we make it there, Craig. The girls love it too. They they like going there. We had a we had a really good time. Yeah, there's a restaurant there that serves wonderful fresh seafood. Well, I love having our troubadour here at night, and so do uh, my puppies. Aren't they great studio dogs? They're re- very well behaved, and they do it at the office too. And I tell them not to bark, and they are smart enough to realize, hey. This is a different environment. No barking here. Right. And you're the guy who taught me, bring your dog to work. It's right. Every day with a dog is, is a better day. You know what it is? It's all right. All right. I'd rather be right by Dave Gunders, our troubadour. Safe travels. Thanks, Craig. Good night. Here and there like bats 
is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is, you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like, I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can 
dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Hey, I have some exciting news. I am starting my brand new law firm. It's Attitude, mine. The legal skills, mine. The support staff, incredible. Find us online soon at craigscoloradolaw.com. Find me right now on Twitter at Craig's Colorado. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, I told you that was going to be a great show. I found out more about that Bob Dylan story. Walt Conley, he was a cool kid, born in Denver, adopted by parents in Scotts Bluff, raised out there, folk fan, maybe country music, I don't know, but he came back to Denver, rented Satire Lounge, a big black guy who sang folk music, opened up his own club. Bill Buckley, my colleague in the DA's office, a frequent guest in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, I talked to him after Johnny Barber, and he knew Walt Conley well. And he said Dylan stole those records, and Walt would not lie. Bill sang at Walt's funeral. Look him up. He's got a big Wikipedia page, Walt Conley. Dave Gunder should have a big Wikipedia page. He's got so many songs. Somebody asked me the other day, my gosh, how many songs has he written? I don't know. He's got a song for every occasion. The other thing I found out, Tommy Smothers used to be a good friend of the late Walt Conley. He always came by the place. And remember Pat Paulson, their funny man? He lived in Denver. I learned so much this episode 111. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Tell a friend. Please subscribe. Five stars is wonderful. Until next time, have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.